Boom. There you go. Here's some lead. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, August 21st, 2022. This is your award-winning Kimmel Nation Media Assassination, episode 1479. This is No Agenda. Battering up my bugs and broadcasting live from the heart of the Texas Hill Country here in FEMA Region Number 6 in the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I missed Brian Stelter's last show somehow. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Did you actually go looking for that? Well, he made this statement that he was going to explain everything or something or other uh, on Sunday. I don't think they let him do that. Did they Did they let him do that? I didn't find anything. I went to the guy, maybe unless they ran it at four in the morning or something or sometime earlier. Uh, but from 10 on, when I, oh, I went downstairs, it says, oh, I got to check. I'll put it on record. And there was nothing, but there's Zakari and Pamela Brown and this and that. There's nothing. I couldn't find anything. How about YouTube? I'm going to have to look at YouTube. Maybe they'll have it there. <laughs> That's basically where you got to look for stuff, man, is YouTube. <laughs> I know, you can't find it on the stations. I'll have to say, with YouTube does enrich my life, you know. Yeah. It is It is a place where you can find stuff. It's pretty good. There's stuff. There's it stuff is. on BitChute, too, you know. Yes, no, BitChute, BitChute. Uh, let's not and forget. And with Rumble. And, yes, Rumble, Rumble Brighteon, Daily Motion, Vimeo. Yeah, we can keep on going. Yeah, and then No Agenda Tube. <laughs> and No Agenda Tube. There you go. That's a, that's a great place. No Agenda No Agenda Tube. So I just want to get one thing out of the way because my personal gripe about the hearing aids bullshit. Oh, here we go again. Yeah, well, it's kind of, it's important to know because um, Congress passed the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. And as part of the big selling point of the Inflation Reduction Act is you're going to have- Spending money. <laughs> lower medical costs for you old people. Uh, and of course, I usually don't consider myself to be part of the old people crowd. Yet. Not yet, but um, you know, I got the hearing aid, so I'm a little. I do have a little jump there. No, there's that on the old. Yeah, but that's thing. all. That's a, uh, all broadcasters. So um, okay, so that's you know th- that's that's what they're out there selling, and then I hear our vice president selling it with this message, which I shall deconstruct right afterwards. Greetings, everyone. Lowering costs is one of our administration's highest priorities, and that includes health care costs. To that end, the FDA has issued a new rule to allow hearing aids to be sold over the counter. Soon, Americans with mild to moderate hearing loss will be able to buy their hearing aids at the local drugstore or pharmacy. No prescription needed. This change will make it easier for millions of Americans with hearing loss, including many seniors, to receive the care they need. And it will also reduce the cost of a pair of hearing aids by hundreds or even thousands of dollars. Every American has a right to receive affordable health care. Today, our administration has taken another step forward in our fight to protect that right. Take care. Take care. All right, let me take care. Let me take explain, care. Let me explain why, why this is so disingenuous. Besides the fact that it was Elizabeth Warren who got lobbied, she got tons of money from Bose and I think from others to uh, to get this uh, change issued. And here's what the change is: the change is only in one thing: the definition hearing aid. There has always been a difference. A hearing aid is a sophisticated piece of device that you get from an audiologist. You go through the test, and it's it's a medical thing. You should that's really the process. And I can, as a longtime user, I can attest to that. 
everything else that comes out of Silicon Valley or China where you stick it in your ear, you use the app and it goes, and then, oh, all of a sudden it's magical. (laughs) I'm cured. (laughs) That used to be known as a hearing amplification device. So the only thing the legislation changed is now the people who make hearing amplification devices, which are not sophisticated, therefore only cost a couple hundred dollars, uh, they now be, they may now be called hearing aids. So they were always able to be sold through the mail, over the counter, etc. But now they can call them hearing aids, and they're not. I mean, and, they, and guess what? They can probably jack the price up a little bit too. They will jack the price to up. further screw the poor medical, uh, the person that uses medic yes. medical uh, gear. Now you yeah. notice that she says people with. Mild hearing loss. Yes, because that's only an amplification device will probably help some mild hearing loss. And most people can even imagine they have mild hearing loss. But then to say, look how great this legislation is, the um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. It's going to save you thousands of dollars. Yeah, by making you hear shit. That's what they want for the American people. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? You're going to pay more for a shittier experience. And you're going to like it. Take care, y'all. Okay. So just to show you how it works. And that's just the beginning of our show, ladies and gentlemen. Just the beginning. How you doing but otherwise? You got that off your chest. Well, there's another one. I got well, one more. I mean, I'm, I'll just lay back. Go on. Have you been tracking the uh, James Webb Telescope? And all of the images that have been coming in. And I'm not talking about the, the one guy who took a picture of a piece of salami. That was a pretty funny troll. But the, <laughs> but the real images, the stuff that they get. Did you see that story? It was great. I missed it. Yeah. I have no, Okay. I'm flat-footed here. Take me, take me home. Take me home, Jeeves. Okay. As it turns out, the images coming back from the Hubble, uh, from the Webb telescope, which allow us to see... You know, like 15 times further than the Hubble telescope. And, yeah. and now, and, you know, they have brilliant colors, etc. Yeah. It hasn't really been published yet, but there's several articles. And uh, here's, a, here's, a, here's an example. Astronomers looking at Webb. What if the Big Bang didn't happen? As it turns out, it's not looking the way it should. It's not an ever-expanding universe. Stuff is, you know, that is further away is actually smaller, whereas that should be bigger. And everyone's flipping out. They don't know what to do because and there's, you know, there's, there's astronomers tweeting like, as I lay awake in bed at 3 a.m., I wonder, did we get everything wrong? <laughs> this is a phenomenal, phenomenal thing that's happening because what if you don't have the theory of evolution, what is the other theories? Creationism. Is there a third? Well, it's not binary. It's correct. It's not. I completely agree. But if you look at the two big theories out there, it's like <laughs> they don't know what to do with it. They're stuck. They don't know how to, how to explain it. The science is stumped. Okay, let's go back to my when I was a kid. Yeah, here we go. Uh, grab I was a cup a of coffee, kid. It was 1957. Mm-hmm. It was the International Geophysical Year. That's I remember right. this very, That's right. very... Donald Because I was, a sta- I was a little... Kid, little stamp collector. So I remember collecting the stamps. Steely Dan, Steely Dan, IGY. So um, I was a little kid, and I'm looking at the globe, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at South America, and I'm looking at Africa. 
and I'm looking at the big chasm, oceanic chasm in between these two bodies of land. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm saying, you know, that these two have had to have been hooked together at some point. They fit like two jigsaw puzzles. At the time, I was a little kid who liked doing jigsaw puzzles. Every kid sees this and and thinks this, I'm, I'm sure, when you're uncorrupted. Yeah. And what do I get from the teacher? No! That's a myth. It's not true. That's not... No, 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 you dumb little kid. And so, okay, whatever. International Geophysical Year comes around in 1957. They discover tectonic plates. (laughs) And then they follow that up with, yeah, you know what? These two continents were once one continent. And, and um, the whole bull crap, all the years and years and years and years and years of no, turn out to be, yeah, no, that's exactly what it, what it was. I felt very, I felt relieved. I can imagine. That a common observation that any normal person would make yeah. was true, though mm-hmm. it, everyone denied it. It's officially, amazing. it was yeah. officially denied. It's I find that that set my whole life on the course of becoming a podcaster. <laughs> and look at the success you've achieved, young man. Congratulations. Top early podcaster. Pioneer. Well, there's a lot of teachers about to become podcasters. This morning, the Minneapolis school district is sticking with its controversial policy to lay off white teachers before minority ones, regardless of tenure. Previously, district-wide layoffs used to be handed out based on seniority. In March, the Minneapolis Teachers Union negotiated a contract with the district that states non-white people can be exempted from layoffs in order to remedy the continuing effects of past discrimination. The district telling ABC News (laughs) the contract and to support the recruitment and retention of teachers from underrepresented groups. That remedy now prompting legal concerns. The Supreme Court has been really clear on this issue that just having a policy to prefer one race over another in terms of layoffs is clearly a violation of the 14th Amendment. Special interest groups say in 2020, students of color and Native Americans made up 35% of Minnesota's K-12 population, but only 4% of the more than 63,000 teachers in the state were people of color. In Minneapolis, there's like a gap between the diversity of students and the diversity or lack of diversity of their teachers. This is not about trying to pit one racial group of teachers against another. This is about serving students the best. Several black educators in Minneapolis in agreement with the contract. When they see somebody who looks like me and maybe looks like them, they feel a greater sense of connection and belonging in that community. I would say Uh, that we would first have to to start hiring more educational professionals of color and start hiring more licensed teachers of colors. Others believe the new policy will do more harm than good. There's different ways that we should be hiring, but we should not be implementing hiring decisions based on the color of people's skin. You know, we have, uh, we had a house guest last night, a friend of Tina's who they've been friends since Tina's old days when she worked at the bank, they were both in finance. Um, and, uh, and she is now a, um, a professional executive coach. She does executive training for executives, and and I'm you know I'm starting to ask her about it. So what exactly does that mean? A lot and, of push-ups. Well, it's much more almost like therapy. When you, <laughs> and part of that is there's um, she doesn't have a lot of male clients, but you can imagine men in a corporate setting they 
they have filters on all the time. Like, oh, I can't say this. I can't say that. They have they have trouble managing uh, people because of this continuous friction of what can you say and what can you do. But uh, she has one female client, African American. I think it was a mix, maybe uh, Asian African American. I don't remember what it was. And uh, this woman was hired to a like a powerful position. And she realized that she was really out of her depth. And then she realized, holy shit, I was a diversity hire. And it's and it and it hurt her. It wow, hurt. it's like realize, finding out you were adopted. <laughs> but <laughs> that's an interesting analogy. But but yeah, that yes, and that was that shocking for her. And and but the worst part was she couldn't she couldn't do it. And she had to figure out how to resign, you know, she, and she, so really the policy that was intended to lift her up and be so kind to her really set her back in her career. It's amazing. This, the, the people don't think this shit through. It's amazing. It's a very interesting, that's actually a fascinating situation. Um, and I'm sure. It's, what else did you learn from the coach? Oh yeah. Some other stuff that, uh, yeah, there's some other stuff I got to talk to you about later. Well, by the way, when did Minnesota become the number one woke area? They keep coming up with this stuff one thing after another. It's, oh, it's a good very point. strange to me. That's a good point. I, I mean, but this is not new. I mean, it wasn't shocked that it was Minnesota. I mean, if it'd be, I'd be more, I'd actually be kind of shocked if it was Iowa. But Minnesota always comes up with this stuff. Over and over and over again. I, I do remember. I do remember. Well, well I think we, we have talked about this, that the, the Minneapolis law enforcement and the way Minneapolis dealt with immigrants, there is definitely, similar to Austin in a way, there's, you know, the right side of the tracks, wrong side of the tracks, and well, there's, there's a lot I, of stuff going on in, in Minneapolis. I, I want to throw this in. Mm-hmm. Again, a Minnesota was like Austin, mm-hmm. contaminated by Californians. Oh, it's totally possible. Totally I know possible. it was it was happening because yeah. my wife had a bunch of friends that they they moved to Minnesota from because mm-hmm. it was cheaper. You know, this is the old the lure, <laughs> the crazy lure of the Midwest. Come on, kids, <laughs> let's go. It's cheap, Westward, young so, man. So you go there and freeze your butt off. But anyway, that's okay. <laughs> so they moved there, and they were and they were all with the other expats, all of them from California, and all in Minneapolis. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, it hasn't been studied. Like Washington State's filled with them. What was the recent? What uh, was the recent they, news? Oh, Mark California is coming up here. They're going to screw up our real estate values. Our homes are going to become worth a lot more money. We can get big. This is how dumb they are up in Washington. Oh no! All our houses are going to become very valuable, and we can sell them for a lot more money. And we can also take out loans on them and really do well because our property and everything and our net worth is going to go up. Get away, Californians! Go back. <laughs> that's what, your washingtonian there port angeles was in the news the other day i don't remember what it was, it was some woke thing. there was a they're, they're starting to store cargo container ships and other boats giant ships in the harbor there because this, the, the mooring prices are dirt cheap if no, not there, free there was something else it was some woke thing that was hilarious and, and i thought oh my god oh, there was woke. yeah well, there's a lot of there. woke stuff starting to go on oh, was but that? again it's californians Thank yeah. you, world. <laughs> California, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> well, you're still there. We can contaminate anybody. No kidding. You're still there, though. Uh, but I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. He likes it. Mikey likes it. It's all good, people. 
It's all good. Oh man, there's there's so much uh, so much to discuss. Oh, okay. Well, I'm on a well, before you, before yeah. you veer off, I do yeah. have a teacher's clip. Oh, groovy! People okay. should know what's going. on. New Jersey, also contaminated by Californians, is uh, and, you know this got, is so sad. As, as I consider myself a former Jersey boy, of course now I'm a Texan, but I was in Jersey for 12 years. I really connected with the energy of the people. Um, that has obviously changed. I left in 1999, uh, so a lot has changed. But it's sad for me to hear these things because Jersey was just. It was just different, man. It was it was cool. We were all right. Well, the coolness is leaving because his teachers are taking over. Here we go. This is New Jersey teachers versus the public. And heading north to New Jersey, the largest teachers union there is facing backlash for a new ad. Ooh, it appears to backlash. label parents who speak out at school board meetings as extremists. Here are the details. The New Jersey Education Association posted this ad on YouTube on August 15th titled Same Thing. The group is New Jersey's largest teachers union with 200,000 members. We don't agree on everything in New Jersey, but we all agree that our kids deserve a world-class education. So when extremists start attacking our schools, that's not who we are. People who only want to fight to score political points should take that somewhere else. New Jersey is set to begin a controversial new sex education standard this fall. It would require public schools to incorporate LGBTQ-themed content into their K-5 curricula. Oh, man. Now, I want to mention something here. Now, now I sound like an old fart, and I'm going to sound like one. I remember when LGBTQ, whatever, uh, were starting to make inroads, and they they would they were going to do this, they were going to do that, and they always promised that, they promised, literally promised, and I remember it happening in California, that don't worry about, we're not going to go into the schools and proselytize. It's never going to happen with our gay right. teachers. Right. Just right. hire us. We'll be fine. We'll be. We'll blend right in. Don't worry about it. And now, this is what we get. This is the thank you, which is, uh, you know, for accommodation, let's mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. It's that the next thing you know, oh, first grader, you got to learn about LGBTQ+. plus. So, uh, I just find this to be... Very subtly offensive and, and, and based on a lie. So let's go to part two of this. It expects students to define terms such as sex assigned at birth, gender identity, cisgender, and transgender by the end of fifth grade. The ad shows photos of parents protesting at school board meetings with two news headlines. One titled, Some New Jersey Schools Under Siege, and the other called, Don't Say Gay Bill, Introduced by New Jersey State Senator. One of the photos was taken in August 2021 at a Nevada school board meeting. Parents there protested against the school district's COVID-19 mask mandate. Another photo depicts a man yelling during a May 2021 meeting in Georgia after the school board rescinded a resolution against the teaching of critical race theory. Republican lawmakers criticized the ad, saying the union is out of touch with parents' concerns. The New Jersey Republican Party wrote, If protecting our children from New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy's insane sex ed standards is extreme, then we wear this as a badge of honor. The ad by NJEA has gained over 90,000 views on YouTube, and the comments section is turned off. So they, they, they're they disingenuous with their yeah. the ad itself is showing other areas claiming it's them. Mm-hmm. And then if, if you remember the first clip, the woman says, oh, don't come in here and grouse about what we're teaching so you can gain political points. What, t- what parent 
you know, who goes to a school board meeting is looking for political points. They're not running for anything. They're just bitching and moaning. So this whole thing happening in New Jersey is probably one of the worst case uh, examples in the country. Well, it's so bad that one of our very own producers, uh, Sir Chris Holman, Dr. Chris, is running for school board of Novi, Michigan. And uh, he wanted us to mention that. So it it comes up and uh, there you go. And he's sick of it. He's sick of it. So go to chrisholman.com. Double L. That's uh, that's what's going to have to happen. Every single no agenda producer has to run for something. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Start, people. We're, I mean, we are the last 1.4 million people on earth who can save everybody. We have a great end of show mix from uh, the no agenda primetime players. Sir Chris yeah, Wilson. Yeah, I heard it. Uh, I heard it. It's, uh, it's long, but good. And it's very, uh, it's a kind of a... a it's a different kind of end of show. It is because it's not a song or anything. It is actually a a uh, a drama it of is. sorts, it's, it's but a, it's a mock advertisement. It's hard to say. You can't really pigeonhole it, but it's dynamite <laughs> piece of work written by uh, Chris Wilson and performed by uh, himself, uh, Dame his, Jennifer, and a few others, and his including Chris's his son Felix. Yeah. Sir Felix. Yeah, he's, he's Sir Felix, who's destined to be in show business. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. And it's a takeoff, really. Just to on, get out of the house. It's a takeoff on some stuff that we've played and kind of falls into. I'm not, I don't want to spoil it. you got to listen to the end of the show. It's going to be well worth it. People were digging it. The trolls were digging it this morning when I played it pre, pre-stream. pre Despite that, listen to it. I recommend it. <laughs> All right. You want to take a topic here or do, where do you want to go? Uh, there's some funny stuff that's off the wall. It's a little different. I don't have a lot of uh, COVID. I think I may have something. Oh, I, but I, I, I definitely have some COVID. I got some monkey pox. There's a new virus out. Uh, there's well, there's you know, always a new the virus CDC, out. The CDC is reorganizing. You want to talk about that for a second? I thought we talked about it in the last show. Yeah, but now we have Dr. Scott Gottlieb talking about it. Well, let's go with this then. And, and it looks like we also have a scapegoat. Have you seen that, um, what is her name, uh, Walensky? Uh, not Walensky, uh, Lena Wen, Dr. Lena Wen. Oh, Lena Wen's getting it, getting it, yeah. Well, she deserves it. Well, but they're, they're she's going to sca- be the scapegoat, yes, that would be great. Yes, she's going to be the scapegoat. Oh, yeah. be, I'll tell you, I, I, had, I do that little hypocrite of the week thing yep, at the yep, newsletters. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And Lena Wen comes up a lot because she's... and. T- just until recently, she's the one, we should lock down everyone. And she even made the statement that if you're unvaccinated, they should never leave your house. You should not be allowed. And then she's got that, she's got that, you know, kind of shit-eating grin on her face all the time. She's friendly looking, but and she's on all the talk shows, but she's a terrible person. She's a horrible person. So she's been, uh, the, uh, this is from the Boston Globe, actually. Uh, some attendees in an upcoming conference want to prevent Dr. Lena, Lena Wen from speaking. Uh, their accusation, she has been expressing views on COVID that are essentially mainstream among the public, says the Boston Globe. But here it is. The, uh, the scientists feel that uh, referred to as unscientific for suggesting this spring that vaccinated people should be able to return to a pre-pandemic normal. She is called unethical for largely agreeing with the new guidance for schools from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which relaxed restrictions on distancing masks and automatic quarantine, which I think actually she didn't, but okay. Um, She's chided 
Chided. Don't chide me, bro. What is chided? You know, ribbed. Well, I mean, it's like it, I do with you all the time. Oh, so it's About mean. About your Tourette's, maybe. It's mean. I don't know. It's mean. No, the, the, I, the, I don't know. I don't think chided is mean at all. It it's scold. Let's it mean, it means a gentle prodding, like a. It's not a. Uh, no. I'll say this before you continue. <laughs> because she's Chinese, yeah. they better let her off the hook, or they're asking for trouble. Oh, diversity, uh, diversity troubles. It's got to be a white person. The scapegoat's either mm. going to have to be Fauci. Ah, good point. Yeah. Burks, or one of Burks, the, or, Burks, or that other Burks, dude. Burks, take Burks. Burks has already thrown herself under the, but thrown herself under the yeah, bus with right. that book of hers. That was preemptive. It can't be Burks. Preemptive. Well, who's left? Fauci, that there's a couple of, uh, the, that guy that was the uh, Jared, former no, head just, of this. No, no, they should just throw Jared Kushner under the bus. It's got nothing to do with it. Perfect. (laughs) Let's make it his fault. So anyway, so we were just talking about on the last show about the CDC's reorganizing and everyone's talking about the big picture stuff, but really what's happening will become apparent. But let's just set it up with um, uh, um, this interview with Dr. Scott Gottlieb from Meet the Press with Chuck Chip, Chad Todd. Put him under the bus. Right? This would be, that would be great, but little chance of it. So Walensky sent out an email, and this is the impetus for this discussion. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky is admitting that the agency must make some drastic changes to better respond to public health emergencies. As we reported here yesterday in an email to CDC employees, Walensky outlined some of those changes, including an overall of how the agency analyzes and shares data, and how the That's CDC coffee. quickly communicates information to the public. The push for accountability comes as the nation is dealing with multiple public health challenges right now. The extremely transmissible BA5 subvariant is now continues to be the dominant COVID strain in the United States. Some new boosters are being developed to target the strain, uh, and that's expected to be available in the fall. The U.S. also has seen an outbreak of monkeypox, with cases now numbering more than 13,000. And then there's polio, which has been identified in New York City wastewater after a case was reported in Rockland County last month. So joining me now to sort of get the lay of the land here of our public health area is Dr. Scott Godley. He's a former FDA commissioner himself, a CNBC contributor, uh, and easily one of our country's foremost experts on public Ah. health. Dr. Godley, it's good to see you, sir. Thanks a lot. So let's start with, in some ways, Director Walensky's statement and email was sort of a bit of like, okay, that's exactly what you would expect, you would hope, an after-action report of sorts would indicate. Um, Based on what you've read of the email and what she's talking about, is she on the right track? Ask a question. Thank you. I think she is. I think the CDC director was pretty unflinching in her analysis of what the systemic problems have been at CDC, not just in the setting of the COVID outbreak, COVID pandemic uh, and the monkeypox outbreak, but going back to Ebola and Zika, even seasonal flu, where the agency has suffered systemic problems uh, trying to. Yeah, they screwed it up. They didn't get Zika to take hold. They, They screwed up the tiny heads. Gather data, make it available to the public, speak directly to the public, public put out guidance that's actionable, that's bottom line that businesses and consumers can interpret. Um, the agency's long suffered from the fact that it has a very academic culture. Uh, they are accustomed to trying to collect information, put out analysis and published articles, and not speak directly to consumers in actionable ways. And I think she was pretty unflinching in her analysis of that. Actual and, ways. you know, is on a path to trying to put in place some reforms that will start to address it. So that's just all word salad bullcrap. What, what do you mean? 
they don't know how to. They don't speak to consumers in actual ways. What, what, what does that <laughs> sentence mean? What is well, actual ways? He is demonstrating how the CDC communicates uh, clearly. The, the, in, in actual ways. In actual ways. That's him not communicating in an actual way by saying something that's not actual English or explanatory. It's okay because it's all a setup. Here's a Chuck Toad. He's going to set, set him up with the whole power grab. You know, it's always odd to me, uh, Dr. Gottlieb, that we never that the CDC director um, uh, was never the one front and center at the beginning of this pandemic. And whether it was uh, the current CDC director or the previous one, that it was sort of that it was coming from NIH. You bring up the academic. Shouldn't NIH be the sort of more academic environment and CDC be the more public health uh, emergency uh, agency. No? Yeah, that's it. Put Fauci in charge. Yeah, look, parts of CDC are action-oriented. They're operationally driven. But by and large, that organization has by a very large. academic culture where they're accustomed to collecting information and doing very long-dated analytical work and not putting out real-time information that can inform current decisions and inform policymakers. The decision in terms of whether or not the CDC is speaking to these issues on a daily basis or someone else in the administration was doing that, that's ultimately a decision made by the White House. If you remember during the Ebola outbreak, the Obama administration had Besser, the CDC director, right. really run point on that uh, and be the spokesperson. During the Trump administration, the CDC director didn't speak to the COVID epidemic. And in this administration, they've had other people mm-hmm. um, running point for them in terms of the communication. That's really a decision by the running White House. Point. Running points. All what right. Running point. So you see, this is the problem. And of course, Gottlieb is going to tell us what's going down. Is there any of this uh, in what she announced at CDC that her hands are going to be tied a little bit because of HHS? Well, ultimately, she's going to need support of HHS. But I think the real challenge is going to be that in order to fundamentally reform that organization, you're going to need help from Congress. Um, Ultimately, with certain aspects of what they do when it comes to their core disease control mission and really their national security mission, they need new authorities and new resources. I think in terms of getting a bargain from Congress, what they ought to be thinking about is trying to narrow the scope of the CDC's mission, trying to give to sister agencies components of what CDC currently does that other agencies may be able to do just as well, if not better. For example, post-market vaccine adverse event reporting. Some of the tobacco work can both be handled by FDA. Some of the disease prevention research can be handled by NIH. And then go to Congress and say, look, we want to focus on the disease control mission. But to do that well, we're going to need some new resources and new authorities. I think the only way that CDC is going to get those new resources and authorities from Congress is in some kind of bargain like that where they more tightly focus the mission of that organization. There it is. There's your CDC uh, you great know, So. Uh, Okay. Um, I think you, when you made your point in the last show, I don't think you, can, you have to pound it home. You, you, although I have to say you're still the only one in the media that has brought this up. Uh, but you're tired of it? I, I don't know why I get tired of it so fast. But yes, okay. I am. And right. But I'll say this. And I, I, what I'll do is I'll repeat what I'll reiterate what you your theory is okay and i've been hearing it too because i've been listening to different clips but i haven't been clipping him because oh you know adam was right they are trying to i'm going to this is what adam's theory is for people out there that don't didn't catch it the first time or didn't <laughs> catch it in that time. clip they are trying to rejigger it's not about reorging it's about getting them more power 
Because one of the things that happened during this last pandemic is that the health departments were lording it over everybody. But at some point, it wasn't working very well because we hated these people. They were all doofuses and dummies. And they didn't have enough power to lock us down for some, you know, when they just demanded it. And, and so, <laughs> when they felt like it. <laughs> so the thesis is, is that this, this whole thing with the CDC is a ruse. Mm-hmm to give them the power to lock us down at the drop of a hat. And that will somehow morph, although you didn't bring this in, but it is part of the overall thesis that we both have. This will morph into being able to lock us down for climate change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's... (laughs) Well, remember, food is medicine, so it's all going to be connected. It's all going to be connected. And as I was listening to the show... Thank you, by the way, for that. I, I don't need to pound it anymore i'll stop Good. the pounding stop the stop pounding the pounding i got it and if anyone else didn't get it i gave it to you. this is that that's summary that's was it. it that's it so and and when you listen to these clips by the way you'll be hearing a lot of stuff yak 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 and away for the next month Un- underneath the under the undertone is exactly that oh we need to do this and that sort of and then we should get congress involved so mm-hmm. they can give us some more power mm-hmm yeah. So as I was yeah, listening, you cut it early. I was listening to the previous episode, which I often do for professional reasons. Uh huh. I caught it sounds some- so good. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. I'm just like, oh baby, we sound. Oh awesome. man. I like it way I, I modulated I love that the one. Compression. That segue was fab. Oh man. Oh John had a great joke there. Um, no, in fact, I, uh, I caught Dr. Ja, who was one of the people running point on COVID for this white house and the true power came out By in this the, clip. Yeah. Sorry. This guy's annoying. You know, I keep forgetting <laughs> how annoying he is until I see him literally see him on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. He's really not good. So listen to where the true power lies. Who will be the first in line? Is this essentially going to... Oh, I'm sorry. Just to explain. This is about the new bivalent... Bivalent. What do you call it? Bivalent? Bivalent? Bivalent. Bivalent uh, mRNA vaccines, which are being, uh, being manufactured. And, uh, and he's going to tell us what, who's driving that process. Who will be the first in line? Is this essentially going to be a third booster? Yeah, it's a, you know, Lester, here's why uh, the FDA has pushed us to uh, build these vaccines. So the, the bottom line is here's why the FDA has pushed us to build these vaccines. Huh? Uh. The F does now. What does the CDC do if the FDA? What does the FDA do? Aren't they supposed to run trials? And yeah, they're supposed to be. They're not stuff? telling people what to do. They sure are. They're telling Doctor Jadam to build more vaccines. Build them. Build them. Build them. Uh, this, this to me is it's troubling. Lester, here's why uh, the FDA has pushed us to uh, build these vaccines. So the, the bottom line is that this va- uh, virus has evolved substantially since the first vaccines were built. This is why we've seen waning immunity. The vaccines that are coming in a few short weeks are specifically designed for the virus that's out there. That's so interesting. I've never heard this, uh, this building the vaccine. Is that, that must be inherent to mRNA, I guess. You build an mRNA vaccine instead of create it, uh, grow it, uh, um, develop it. And we never heard this before. Build it. Build it. I don't know. Build it and it will come. It's okay. 
It's okay. I, I did point out, as anyone who noticed the newsletter, I did point out my thesis, which I wanted to make sure that was out there before anyone else had it, which is that the idea is to have a, uh, a annual shot. They're already talking about this, so we're going to do this anyway. The annual coronavirus shot going along with your annual flu shot. It's useless, but okay. And then I'm pretty sure, I mean, it makes nothing but sense to me that they're going to go for a twice a year annual shot because there's a winter and a summer version. And it's something they have not, they've been, they've not been able to pull it off with the flu shot because the flu never shows up in the summer, but the coronavirus can be a summer cold. I would say it's going to be every three months. And I based yeah, that. I, no, I put that in there too as a possibility, but I think they're not, that's pushing it. Well, I'm just basing it on Germany's vaccine passport system that they are now have announced and will be rolling out, which requires uh, you to be up to date within three months. Uh, and they have four different levels if you're um, topped up. So it feels to me like they're going for uh, quarterly, well, which which is great because you can also then do the quarterly results of Pfizer and uh, Moderna, etc. On the same come out just before earnings, <laughs> just before earnings, <laughs> you make it. You know, it's like you make a new announcement. Yeah, it's perfect, but it's okay because the it's done. The programming's in place. People will will accept it. And uh, do you remember Film Girl? Remember how we used to have fun about Film Girl over there on uh, Twit? What's, what was her real name? Film Girl. Remember that? No. Yes. I don't remember us ever having making fun of Film yes, Girl. Yes, Film Girl. Come on. She's like, the, she, she's kind of a, an early, oh man, Film Girl. Let me just, what was, I can't believe it, you, you don't remember this. Christina By Warren. Way, Christina Warren. Jack- Christina Warren. No, that's not. Yes, that, that's, a, that's who we called Film Girl. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay. Christina Warren. Yeah. Okay. I worked so with her you a remember, couple times. Yeah. All right. So you remember Christina Warren? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, those are just going to be fond memories. Okay, yeah. fine. Whatever. <laughs> just just tell me what shot I need to get and I'll get it. It's fine. Okay. So there you go. That's the attitude <laughs> out there. That's, well, that's what happened with the Tony uh, on uh, Kornheiser. On, uh, I had a clip of him going, if they tell me to get a shot every morning, I'm going to get one. Uh, yeah, if everyone wants to be that way, it's fine. By the way, Dr. Jai, I had to check to, look to make sure I got the right guy. <laughs> You're getting mad. Uh-huh. Does Dr. Ja, is. I every time I look at him, I'm thinking, oh, oh, that's where Jeffrey Tubin went. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, look at him. It's Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it, 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 little, not quite. But I I feel you. A little bit of prosthetics, no big deal. You can pa- you can pass it. Sounds like him. Looks like him. Yeah. yeah. You never see his hands, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he'll be here every Thursday and Sunday. <laughs> he's he's the best. Let's go to ABC and talk about some monkeypox because oh my, it looks like. Well, is it still just men who have sex with men? Is it sexually transmitted? Can you get it from anything else? I mean, there's a lot of confusion. Do the vaccines work? What do we do? We're very confused. A story we've been tracking: the first suspected case of human to dog monkeypox transmission oh, no. that happened in France, and that <laughs> news has led the CDC to update its website on the virus, including how to protect our pets. So, to help us break it all down, we have veterinarian and director of virtual medicine at. Bon vet, Dr. Lisa Lippman. Dr. Lippman, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. So, oh, how- thank you for having me. 
I'm no stereotypical veterinarian. For having me. So how concerned are you about this recent development? Yeah, so I am really uh-huh. pretty concerned. Number uh-huh. one, anytime you have a virus that jumps species to species, number one, it makes it so much harder to control. Number two, we also risk having mutations. Uh-oh. The other thing about this is that I think the, the signs in dogs are signs that can be easily overlooked. Mm. So uh, general malaise, you know, the, the pox in not obvious spots. Um, we can get a little more to that, but um, I'm concerned. Yeah. Notice the spots in not so obvious places. We'll get to that later. Oh, yes, we will. Because what she's telling me here is that it's transmitted not sexually. In fact, it's it's transmitted to dogs and to children, and it's not sexual, though. Or it is it? It's, it's very confusing. So talk about how, I mean, obviously, when this story broke, you know, the headline a lot of times was, oh, it's mostly sexual contact. With dogs. Now, of course, we're trying to get that message out that you can have just direct skin-to-skin contact and transmit this virus. It doesn't have to be sexual in nature. So with pets, what do we know about the root of transmission? Yeah, that's right. So the one dog that we know that was infected uh, slept with two owners who were both infected. Mm. So they had skin-to-skin uh-huh. contact. This was an Italian greyhound, a very short-haired breed. Mm. Um, pr- pretty much hairless almost. And so uh, they had direct skin-to-skin contact and 12 days later became symptomatic. And so that direct skin-to-skin contact is so important. But also um, thinking about things like their feces, their urine, uh, any close contact right now. This is so new and so developing. Right. We just have to be a safe as possible okay so she you know yes if i was the reporter i would have asked the obvious question i and i that this one is somewhat lewd i would ask was it a male or a female greyhound and uh just to wonder just wondering i understand your line of questioning that's why you are a podcaster and now working at ABC. Probably exactly one ABC. of the reasons. Good morning, America. Fall into um, to the yes. So, so this goes on. This goes on for segments. I'm actually going to drop the you know another segment about other rodents and go straight to kind of answering your question. You mentioned a little bit, Dr. Lippman, some of the symptoms we might see in our pets. If you can just go over those with us to, as to what to look out for, and then what can we as pet owners do to avoid any sort of transmission? Yeah, so symptoms, again, it's developing, uh, but they can be very general. So for just like in people, I think general malaise, uh, being feverish, not feeling well, not wanting to eat, uh, to having those pustules or vesicles. Um, again, this dog had them uh, uh, around his mouth. Mm around his anus and on his abdomen. And these are signs... Come on, come on, come on. What would your next question be? John C. Dvorak, Good Morning America gr- reporter. I, said, you're, I would have killed the story right there on the spot. I'm, it's not I'm, a podcast. Okay, really? This and but I would have said, hey, lady, they, you're making me sick. They deadpan the stuff. They just deadpan it. It's only skin-to-skin contact. Hey, this dog has almost no hair. So where did he have it? Well, you know, this dog had uh, okay, around the, okay. the mouth and okay, his these butt. These aren't bad enough. Oh. Um, again, this dog okay. had them uh, around his mouth, oh, and around please. his anus, and on his abdomen. And these are signs that, again, can be so easily overlooked as you something else. you got a furry else. guy or a furry yeah, gal. That, that, too. So, you know, if they're not feeling well in any way and you know that they've had known exposure, then it's really important to tell your vet so everybody can be safe kill the story (laughs) 
<laughs> Jeez. All right. We kill the dog story. We move over to the CIA broadcasting system, CBS in mornings. Uh, let's see how things are going with the monkeypox over at CBS. After waiting about a month, 20-year-old Edward O'Keefe finally received his first dose of the monkeypox vaccine at this New Jersey clinic Thursday. Frankly, like the government has dropped the ball. To meet the growing rise in cases amidst a shortage of vaccines, the CDC is now in... What kind of, that was a very weird insert, I'm just realizing. It, did, it was almost like a whipsaw. Listen to this. New Jersey Clinic Thursday. Frankly, like the government has dropped the ball. To meet the growing rise oh, in man, cases weird. amidst a shortage wait, 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 of... Was that the guy that got the shots? Yeah, he got Who a was shot. that? That was some, some random. But then what's he bitching about? He got a shot and he thinks the government dropped the ball because he got injections? That's, what, that's my well, point is they just inserted that little clip to set up the story that the government dropped the ball. But has, I'll just play it from the beginning. After waiting about a month, 20-year-old Edward O'Keefe finally received his first dose of the monkeypox vaccine okay. at this yeah. New Jersey clinic Thursday. Frankly, like the government has dropped the ball. To meet the growing rise in yeah. cases amidst a shortage of vaccines, the CDC is now encouraging one-fifth of the dose be administered just below the skin, arguing that will stretch supply. The White House says it will distribute almost 2 million doses to regions that adopt that change. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky admits there's still a lot the government has to learn about this outbreak, including the effectiveness of the vaccines. We expect protection to be the highest two weeks after the second dose of the vaccine. Second According dose. to the CDC, 98% of monkeypox cases are in men, 93% among men who reported recent sexual contact with other men. And more than 60% of cases are among men of color. We're not reaching uh, men who have sex with men who are black and brown oh, the way that we need to. And now the numbers of infected children have started to rise. What is this? We're not reaching men black and, of the black and brown community who sometimes have sex with men. What did she say? Uh, men who have sex with men who are black and brown the way that we need to. We're not we're not reaching out to them the way we need to. Okay. Because black and brown men can't understand English when they're, yeah, they're gay. Dumb. They're, they're dumb. dumb. They're dumb. And now the numbers of infected children have started to rise. There are at least 12 confirmed cases of children with monkeypox in the U.S. Children are at higher risk for severe monkeypox. Uh, it can even be deadly in very young children. Dr. Gounder says the most likely source of exposure to monkeypox for children is through close contact with a caregiver. So why do we not have any women with this? And are these children male children? Are they female children? Um, this, this is very, very troubling. And it's rolling out the uh, black and brown community. They need to. We're not a community. I don't know who's behind this. Pro- this is the playbook. Who's ever doing this particular program mm-hmm. of propaganda uh, is doing a piss poor job. It's well, a mess. here's what is taking place, and I've heard this from many personal conversations. The quote-unquote queer community are all looking for monkeypox vaccines because, hey, I'm around gay people. Even though it's only men who have sex with men. Texas, New York, <laughs> California. Hey, son, you never seen Brokeback Mountain? We invented that shit over here. So... um, that means that there's a demand. The product is in demand, and it's in the news. The government so, will you know, also... No, sorry. Oh, 
No, I was going to say, I, I have a, I had to take, I took a screenshot of this. I didn't put it in the newsletter. I may put it in the next one. I have a picture of the monkey monkeypox vaccine uh, vial yeah. that they showed on TV. Now, I don't know if this is the, the real deal or, or whatever, yeah. but it's, it's, it says specifically not for use uh, except <laughs> in a national emergency. Oh, well, we didn't, didn't Biden declare, didn't the World Health Organization declare monkeypox an emergency? Not that I know of. I'll look it up while... See, my, my segue was perfect into the queer community. It's okay. Oh, gover- yeah, don't blame me for ruined segues. It's part of the show. The government will also set aside an extra 50,000 vaccine doses available for cities with large gay pride events coming up. But yeah. it is important to remember, even though most cases are in men who have sex with other men, anyone can <laughs> geez, get this I'm virus. Sick of it. Anyone Tony. can get it. The numbers right. are moving in the wrong direction. Yeah, anybody can get it. But how difficult is it, Tanya, to get? Is there a way to explain It that? is difficult. You shouldn't be overly concerned. But it can spread through infected bedding, mm-hmm. infected towels. Owls, oh, infected clothes. What? So just take what? What? So it's not Where's the documentation for this bull crap? We just got through two minutes of men who have sex with men and some children and dogs. And, but now towels, bedding and towels. Towels, bedding, you know, don't sneeze, mask up. Difficult, you shouldn't be overly concerned, but it can spread through infected bedding, mm-hmm. infected towels, infected clothes. So just Says take who? precaution. Yeah, so it's not necessarily just skin to skin when you're talking about bedding right. and clothes. Don't share towels in the locker room, for okay. instance. Oh, all right. Glad mine's oh, got my name please. on it. <laughs> Tanya, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> the punchline <laughs> punch was, or drop the soap. But, you know, the stupid guys that can't do anything. It's not a podcast. Drop the soap. All right. So, so that's, that's, uh, the, yes. that's the media 12th side. Grade. Hello. 15 forever. That's the media side. Let's go back to the pharma, big pharma side. Hate to bring them back in. But we do have to talk about Scott Gottlieb one more time. Is the current monkeypox outbreak sort of in, in one of uh, another exhibit to say, hey, this is how, boy, th- we were a little slow here. And, and, and yeah, this is another example of, of CDC being a little bit, uh, little bit on their back foot. Well, CDC and HHS, I think we've suffered from the fact that we've done things very sequentially uh, in the setting of this outbreak rather than in parallel. For example, the issues around the vaccine supply, um, they could have made some decisions early on to start finishing uh, some of that vaccine. They had 11.5 million doses in frozen bulk product that they could have started finishing right away. Says a man on the board of directors of a company that sells vaccines. While they work with the manufacturers, scale up manufacturing of new stock, those Mm -hmm. things were done very sequentially. And so we didn't have enough supply early in the setting of the outbreak, really, to address the public health challenge. So I think it's some of the challenge. same mistakes that are being made over again. But these really go back a decade. I think the agency's mm-hmm. you know, been operating this way for a very long time. I'm not going to pound that fact. I will take it straight from monkeypox to polio. Very quickly on polio. This finding in the wastewater, um, uh, is this, uh, this should be containable. Uh, how concerned are you, though, with vaccine hesitancy that, that if we do try to get some folks Revaccinated here, we, we may have a problem. 
Well, it should be containable. But if you look at that county where it seems to be spreading, I think at this point there is community transmission. That seems to be the message coming out of the CDC and public health officials in New York. That community only has about Rockland County only has about a 60 percent vaccination rate. And some parts of that county are as low as 37 percent. So we're going to have to do a lot better than that if we're going to control the spread of this. And vaccination rates have fallen all across the country. I think a lot of the um, criticism of covid vaccinations spilled over into people's willingness to take other vaccines. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, doesn't cause hey, by other, the way, uh, nearly eradicated disease. What'd you say, John? It, whose fault was that? What he just said. But the but the question he asked was Chuck Todd specifically said revaccinated. <laughs> so here's here's my overall theory, and I'll, that leads into my final clip on this. What if it's all bullcrap? What if this is all just diseases coming to the top? because of the severely impacted immune systems and it happened first in the in the gay party community uh, and so they need uh, something to cover it up well shit grab that thing from that stupid austrian company say it's monkey pox and we'll vaccinate them all we'll figure this out oh now children are getting it we don't know exactly oh it could be from bedding no maybe children are vaccinated and are getting it maybe that's what the polio thing is and maybe that's what's happening now in india even as the spread of deadly covid-19 virus still prevails across india the threat of another virus is now threatening the masses according to the latest report india has reported 82 cases of tomato flu or tomato fever since the virus was first <laughs> reported in kerala on may 6th i cannot wait for the tomato flu to come to america the common infectious disease targeting mostly children aged 1 to 5 and immunocompromised adults could be a new variant of hand foot and mouth disease the tomato what? flu was first identified in kerala's district on may 6th so it's a new form of foot and mouth disease it's this is horrible and it's, whoever came up with tomato flu this is india india's got every disease known to man yeah but it's immunocompromised adults it's children who have low it immunity children one to five with very few of which have ever had the vaccine in any form so I don't what? know. Yeah, I think what? It, this, I'm sorry. What children under children five, one to five get tons of vaccines have had. Oh, I thought you meant specifically the COVID vaccine. Yes. They oh, do, but oh, not oh, so much. Okay. Not so. India is not the same as us. This should be happening here. We're the country that's over that gives 65 vaccinations to the kids. Note from one of our producers. Quick comment on Thursday's show where this came up. We talked about this. The number of pediatricians who refuse to see unvaccinated or partially vaccinated children is rampant. My wife and I, when we decided to not fully vaccinate our kids and alter the schedule, found ourselves looking for a pediatrician that would work with us. Turns out that where we live, and this is in Texas, there are only three, and the two that take our insurance were full up. We could not get into what we ended up doing was a concierge medicine doctor who's been fantastic. Yes, if you even hint at not wanting to vaccinate your kids with everything, they will ask you to find a different doctor and write you up. When did the doctor police show up? Well, the doctors have always been un, unwitting participants, programmed dummies in every single eugenics program. So this, why should this be any different? I was watching this great documentary about the nurses of the Holocaust. Because it was really the nurses who were killing the babies and doing all this shit. And how, how that worked in their psyche, you know? And it's so close to... 
the division we have today across the world, everyone's pissed off at each other. And, and you know, it's like, brrr. <laughs> I can't believe we're still doing the show together. Can't believe we haven't had a falling out of epic proportions. We've had plenty of falling outs. Not of epic proportions. And, and well, Epic proportions would be great stuff for the show. It'd be perfect for the show. Uh, All right. Definitely get and with that, I okay. I quit. So we're, we're, I think we're done with the medical <laughs> stuff. Let's I think go. we're done with that. Yes, thank you. Uh, well, there's one more. Just, might as well play this. This is a, an evergreen, as far as I'm concerned, but it just came up again. Mm-hmm. The brain eating amoeba. <laughs> Hold on a second. That's a classic. Health officials say a child likely died from a rare infection caused by a brain-eating amoeba after swimming. Health officials believe the child came into contact with the amoeba on Sunday while swimming in the Elkhorn River just west of Omaha, Nebraska. But this isn't the first time this tragedy hit the Midwest this summer. Last month, a Missouri resident died of the same infection likely caused by the amoeba at a lake in southwestern Iowa. Officials closed the lake's beach as a precaution for nearly three weeks. People are usually infected when water containing the amoeba enters the body through the nose mm. while swimming in lakes and rivers. Other sources included tainted tap water. Symptoms include fever, headache, nausea, or vomiting. Those symptoms can progress to a stiff neck, loss of balance, hallucinations, and seizures. The CDC says infections are rare, but that those infections are overwhelmingly fatal. I have one more, just just a big pharma thing to mention just for the media deconstructionists, of which we have many. Do you remember uh, a story maybe two weeks ago? It turns out that the Alzheimer's medication is bullshit. It doesn't work. The FDA advisory board voted 10 to 0 uh, against uh, approving it. They approved it anyway. And the news kind of came out like, oh, this thing doesn't work. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. So what are the, and everybody fell for this. What are the chances it's a distraction when you hear or read the headline, Viagra may lower Alzheimer's risk. Do you understand people? This is how it works. Flood the news with that headline. Forget about the fact the shit that we sold you and might've hurt you with didn't work. Yeah, that's. Well, they, they, even Tucker, man, Tucker went all in. I go, oh, this is a joke. Yeah, but he, he didn't can make the connection. He didn't make the connection that this is distraction. He participated in it. Yeah, the Viagra, the Viagra. I always pronounce it. Oh, Viagra. Are, are you part of the elite set? You I've know, read some grey poupon. With some, I'd like my Viagra with some grey <laughs> poupon. Viagra, yeah. yeah. I like my Viagra at morning time. Yes. So uh, <laughs> let's go. I, I want to get some Republican Cheney stuff out of the way. Okay. Including a clip I carried over from last show, but let's start with some analysis on the Republicans. Uh, this is from New. I think. Uh, NPR is NPT. <laughs> Thinking, wait a minute, New Tang Dynasty? Wait, New Pang Dynasty? Uh, no, I, it's I, uh, I'm, NPR. I'm still looking for your. Oh yes, some uh, analysis some on analysis. Republicans. Okay. Oh, so it's two clips. Yes, here we go. What does Representative Cheney's loss uh, mean for her future and Gosh. that of her? This, by the way, is a guy who says, "Hold on, darling, I will be back after I take my Viagra." Viagra. <laughs> I need to take my Viagra. I'll be right back. What does Representative Cheney's loss uh, mean for her future and that of her of her party? 
It means that Liz Cheney and her party are going to be going their separate ways. As you say, she didn't just lose this week. Uh, she lost by nearly 40 points. This after having won her current office three times before by big margins. But each of those times, she was on the Donald Trump train. And this time, she not only stepped off that train, she lay down on the track in front of it. Now, there's been talk of her running for president in her present party, but it's hard to see it. Her party is no longer the GOP, the Grand Old Party. That acronym dates back to the Civil War, the forge of the party's founding. Liz Cheney's been casting herself as a throwback to the era of Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant. She quoted them this week. And to the party of Ronald Reagan and the Bush family and her own father, former Ronald Vice Reagan. President Dick Cheney. But today's GOP is driven by nationalists and populist activists oh, yeah. empowered by former President Trump, and they are not going away. Same time we get what... Can- wow, did you hear his, his... at the Listen to his breathing at the end of that statement. Driven by nationalists and populist activists empowered by former President Trump, and they are not going away. He's emotional. And they're not going away. He's uh, he, throughout this report. He's slightly hyperventilating for reasons that are not are kind of elusive. Okay, we'll continue. It's almost activists empowered by former President Trump, and they are not going away. At the same time, we get what can almost seem like hourly updates on on legal issues surrounding former President Trump and uh, people Gee, in his orbit. Why is that? Do you think because you keep reporting those hourly updates, douche? What kind of danger does this uh, perhaps pose for Republicans just a few months away from elections? In one sense, we could say it's been a boon for them. It excites the sense of grievance many of their voters have when it comes to the federal government. The party needs that going into the elections this November and beyond. But it's also obviously a distraction. A rare moment where John and Adam's humor actually worked. That was very funny. I gave him the Amy Goodman treatment. <laughs> and with justified, my friend, justified. Uh, it's good. Clip two? Right, clip two? Do people, clip two? I don't know how many people caught that. Yeah, go on. Most Republicans would much... No, the troll room caught it. Every, everybody heard it, believe me. Most Republicans would much rather have the national conversation focus on inflation or Hello? the bad memories of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan just a year ago. Instead, we're talking again about Trump and the multi-front war that various legal authorities are fighting to hold him accountable multi-front for his actions war? in office and since. Now, the Mar-a-Lago search is just the sharpest Wait, arrow. Stop it, stop it. Stopping. Stop it and back it up because he's, he says they're going after him for all what he did while he was in office and, and since, which I guess is because he's got the documents. But it makes it sound like these guys are – this is nuts to me. I mean, it's as nuts as that Sam Harris guy. Uh, right, right. Where if, if an asteroid going is coming on about towards Earth, Trump you can lie. University being yeah, the, the worst, the worst greatest thing. corruption ever <laughs> – foisted on the public but he wasn't in office during that he wasn't in office during trump stakes by the way the winery's doing fine but but he made okay hey, you so know who else trump, is a winery trump's so corrupt trump so corrupt that before he was president he made trump ties in china oh no what is the deal I don't know, man. They're setting it up. I think they're doing a poor job of vilifying uh, 
the quote other side, but they're trying. It's NPR. And just a year ago. Instead, we're talking again about Trump and the multi-front war that various legal authorities are fighting to hold him accountable for his actions in office and since. Now, the Mar-a-Lago search is just the sharpest arrow in that quiver right now. We heard former Vice President Mike Pence this week saying, Our party stands with the men and women who stand on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level, and these attacks on the FBI must stop. Mm. That is the old Republican Party talking. Oh. It's not clear that the new Republican Party is even listening. Oh. Let me ask you about contrast with the Democrats, um, because, of course, this week President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, are they coming into clearer focus as the midterms approach? <laughs> yeah, if you wear hearing aids. We're about 80 days out from the midterms, roughly. That's at least two and a half lifetimes away in political terms. Much is going to happen. Much is going to change. Right now, though, the Democrats are seeing remarkably encouraging polls in half a dozen toss-up Senate races for this fall. So that's happening in Arizona and Georgia, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Those are states that voted for Joe Biden in 2020. But we're also seeing competitive races with close polls persisting in Ohio and North Carolina, where Trump won twice. Uh, By the time we get into the baseball playoffs and the fall campaign season, it's possible that all of this Mar-a-Lago search and all of these other cases will keep grinding on, but also possible that people will get bored with all that and focus on gas prices, grocery prices. Republicans are gearing up to make immigration a big focus again this fall. We still expect the House will go Republican in November, if only because of gerrymandering. But the Senate is quite a different story. There are individual candidates there who might matter more than party identity. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell said as much this week, and that may have had had mostly the purpose of sending a signal to Republican funders to get busy writing checks. Oh, okay. So it's all political as usual. Duh. Now, I have, and I want to remind people that when you start hearing about these polls, you have to remember that the polls are bullshit. Are now largely half owned by the media. Yeah, yeah. And to get them to advertise more, the polls are used as a weapon. I have, um, I have two, two things. Well, to, I want to get my Cheney clip out of the way. Well, this is, this is kind of about the raid. So I, I'd like to. Uh, oh, yeah, well, this is about Cheney. So let's get this out of the way and then you can do the raid. So we're talking uh, about the raid right now. We're going to go to Cheney, then come back to the raid. I just want to understand the logic. No, I'm going to. Well, I, that last thing was about Republicans, Cheney, and the okay. raid was mentioned. But okay. I wanted to. Okay. The whole reason for those two clips was the lead to this ah, clip. Ah, okay. I got you. Which was the clip that we rarely, we do this, we discussed after the last show. Because it's a. Uh, a problematic clip because it's hard to understand. This was one of the analysis oh, clips yeah. that oh, came yeah. out oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. from one of these guys. It's called Cheney Cult yep. and WTF. And I want you people to listen to this carefully and try to tell me what she's saying with it in mind that people like uh, former CIA director Hayden uh, and others have said that the Republican it's not Trump anymore. Trump is being removed from this argument. It's the Republicans. All Republicans are bad people, period. Yep. Play this clip. A visitor from the future might look back on 2022 and say that this is the year the Republicans became a personality cult. Cheney last night with her father watching from the audience, suggesting this is a new GOP. I believe deeply in the principles and the ideals on which my party was founded. 
that I love my country more. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you didn't, you hadn't gotten to it on the last show. And then you said, listen to this after the show. You're right. Go for it. That, that's beautiful. What did she say? Let's listen to that last bit again. I believe deeply in the principles and the ideals on which my party was founded, but I love my country more. <laughs> so the so the so, so the I'm party a racist. was founded. I'm a We're racist. About Lincoln here. I'm a white supremacist. I'm a, that, that's what everyone believes the party's founded on. True or not doesn't the, matter. Well, let's well, let's go with the, the she. The party was founded on the principles of Lincoln and the early Republicans. It, it, Stretched anti-slavery, uh, form a more perfect union, all the rest of it. Yeah, that's what the foundation was. But she doesn't like that anymore. She she likes her country more. What is she talking about? Is she saying that the Republicans are all anti-American or the or the founding principles of the Republican Party, which she was a part of, and so is her father, is bull crap? What is she saying? Um, I think your your assessment is correct that uh, there is now a so she's clearly in error here <laughs> with whatever she's trying to communicate. The idea is to say there's an old GOP and there's a new GOP, and the new GOP, uh, you know, there's hardly any. So they they leave the old GOP there for some people that might still want to do something with or. You know, that might have enough influence that they need to use. Like Mitch McConnell, you know, he's he's old GOP, so he's tolerable. And the message is going out everywhere. And what this cult, this whole idea was embodied by, I don't think the guy matters anymore, but he still gets on MSNBC. And subsequently, sometimes on NBC, is James Carville. James Carville is now an old cranky goat. Not that he wasn't always kind of an old cranky goat, but he's always been a cranky goat. But eventually, goat's a good word for him. His, his wife eventually and not had to in leave the him. Sense of greatest of all time. No, that's for certainly sure. not. He's an old goat, but he spells it out a little more clearly. The problem that the Republican Party has is, is Lester Maddox, the former governor of Georgia, said famously, "The problem with the prisons in Georgia is the quality of the inmate." The problem the Republican Party has is they got really stupid people that vote in their primaries. <laughs> and when you have that, you're going to get in really stupid people demand to have really stupid leaders. And that's where the Republican Party is now in India. So we pay what huge majorities of the Republican Party don't believe in evolution. Right, huge majorities of the Republican Party follow Donald Trump and whatever that insanity is. But, but somehow or another, we pay a greater price for 11% of our people than they do for 65% of their people. People that believe that the what? election was stolen and they have a right to, to storm the Capitol, which is a substantial number of people in the Republican Party, are evil. There's, we have, our, our people are, are kind of silly. Their people actually, racism is evil. All right, misogyny is evil. I'm sorry. Uh, a pronoun is, to me, is, okay, fine. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you want to be a, a vegan, I don't care what you want to eat. A vegan right? pronoun. But, but just not, it's not the same thing. It's not, you know, not all of it. There's some, obviously some very high quality, you know, smart, patriotic Republicans, but they're not the majority. So that's kind of the message. It's like, hey, yeah. if you want to, if you precise and yeah. precise, if you want your pronoun to be vegan, because you know the left is so with it, 
then that's fine with me. But uh, the rest are racist, misogynist, and uh, borderline terrorists. Back to the raid. <laughs> Back to the raid. Uh, first of all, another theory that's out there about the raid, which I kind of like, is that uh, you can read it two ways. One, um, Trump knew there might be a mole in the organization, uh, fed some stupid, crazy shit that he said he would have. The mole leaked it. Boom, they can identify the mole. The second theory, the sub-theory to that is Trump had, had someone in the organization who he knew, knew would leak on his behalf. Um, that's all possible. Uh, the final one would be that they planted something, but they seem to have lost the window for that. I don't think that's, uh, that's happened. But what we've been focused on and what you focused Gitmo Nation on was the Macron documents. Laughed off by the sockless soy boys over there at Pod Save America as uh, sex secrets, Macron's sex secrets. Maybe, 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 maybe not. Uh, are you familiar with Lex Friedman, the Lex Friedman podcast? Yes, I am. So he unfortunately, had, it's a very long podcast. <laughs> it's a very long podcast. It's kind of like a Joe Rogan, but then completely different. The problem. I, I'm going to just stop you here because the problem is a lot of these. And I don't want to just toot our horn. Now, just be careful because I think if I got on his podcast, it would be good for the show. I think it would be great for the show. And so it would be, I, we actually had a donation coming up where somebody heard you on Megyn Kelly. Yes, I saw the note. How great is that? I was, score, score, score. <laughs> I knew I could do it. So um, there's, a pro, there's a thing about having two equal uh, hosts that can keep each other in check as best they can, as opposed to be one guy. Like if you just did the no agenda show by yourself, Oh, it would suck. God knows what would be going on. And how about if you did the no agenda show by yourself? It'd be dynamite. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) Of course. Of course. I gotcha. You walked right into it. Of course. This is, this is why we're so good. All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Continue. Yes. You were doing the. You were doing the. You were doing a clip from the podcast, but I have a clip from no, on no. the raid that hold might on. be. No, that hold might... on a second. You can't derail derail my. I didn't setup. derail anything. I found my opportunity. No, no, that's not going to happen. You were going to come. Okay, well, you the play podcast. yours, and I get to. I'll play mine afterwards. But you but didn't finish. Mine's your, different. You didn't finish your thought on the Friedman podcast. You didn't. No, s- my thought was that if you he the the fact that he does a solo podcast. Well, he, allows does, he has a to, guest, but he has a guest every single time. Yeah, but it's always a guest. It's different. Guests are not the same as co-hosts. Okay. Well, anyway, so Lex Friedman, I'm questioning if you know him. He's the guy in the black suit with the black tie, the white shirt. I, I don't think you're talking about the same guy. Let me think. Huh. Okay. Well, whatever. I, maybe I don't know what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about. Go he's on. Like, he's like some MIT high-end engineer guy. He does the podcast on the side. He's a professor. And yeah, and he talks he's very, he has a stilted style. Yes. He's not very professional as a podcaster. And yeah, and he's well-educated. Yeah, okay. So he has on uh, this guy, what's this guy's name? This guy's name is Andrew Bustamante. Yes. Apparently, I, I saw this particular podcast. Oh, so you you did? I saw the Bustamante podcast. Yeah, many people have sent this to me. Um, this podcast, I, I, I had first thing I was going to send it to you myself, and I said, "This CIA guy Bustamante 
He looks so unlike any normal CIA guy, yes. but he did the, had the talking points, he had and it he all. had the the movement. He had he moved the conversation like a CIA guy would. It's very very good. slick, as a matter of fact. If you didn't actually visualize him, but when you see him, he's got missing teeth, got <laughs> long hair. He's very dark. He looks like a, a Sandinista. <laughs> he just doesn't fit the role of a of an office worker. And I guess he was a field guy, but it didn't. How many of those guys come on podcasts? I mean, I found the whole thing peculiar. Me but too. I trusted that he was CIA. I, I had the same feelings. Like, you know, I don't know if you can ever really be ex-CIA, but anyway, you know, podcasts are a great place to go now for agents and talk to people. So uh, back to the raid. Remember, uh, this was the Macron papers. We don't know exactly what. They didn't talk about the Macron papers, but Friedman asked something about Tell me about other, you know, about all the intelligence agencies around the world. Who's the best? Who does, who does, who's great outside of the U.S.? And the answer was surprising in context of the Macron papers. So when it comes to reach, China wins that game. Yeah. When it comes to professional capability, it's, it's the CIA by far because budget wise, capability wise, weapon system wise, modern technology wise, CIA is the leader around the world, which is why every other intelligence organization out there wants to partner with CIA. They want to learn from CIA. They want to train with CIA. They want to, they want to partner on counter narcotics and counter drug and counter terrorism and counter Uyghur, you name it. People want to partner with CIA. So CIA is the most powerful in terms of capability and wealth. And then you've got. The idea, you've got uh, tech. So tech alone, meaning uh, corporate espionage, uh, economic espionage, nothing beats, nothing beats DGSE in France. They're the top. Uh, they've got a massive budget that almost goes exclusively to stealing foreign secrets. They're the biggest threat to the United States, even above Russia and above China. DGSE in France is a massively powerful intelligence organization, but they are so exclusively focused on a handful of types of intelligence collection that nobody even really thinks that they exist. How about that? What do you think they could get into voting machines? That's an interesting, you know, I'm, well, obviously I didn't hear that in the podcast. I would have clipped it too. Uh, yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. Cause it does bring in the Macron thing. Yeah, I and honestly, if you had said what what are the letters of the French Secret Service, I would not have known off the top of my head DGSE, and I certainly yeah. would not have known that they were big in tech. What I did know is the last fourteen seconds of this, and then in terms of just terrifying violence, you have Mossad. Mossad will do <laughs> yeah. anything. Mossad has no qualms doing what it takes to ensure the survival yeah. of every Israeli citizen around the world. Sound, so it sounds credible, what he's saying. Here. Yeah, that's very credible. Yeah. How about he did, that, though? He never mentioned ISI, which kind of no, surprised me. No, no, me. no, he did. It's earlier It's earlier in the, very, oh, okay. the clip. No, he did uh, He did mention ISI. He, was, he went on and on about MSS, the Chinese Secret Service. He says, by reach... He says they have millions of people all over the world. And he says, every, yeah, they got They're all over the place. We have, they're in the citizen, Bay Area. There's tons of them. Every citizen, he says, considers themselves an agent or potential agent for the MSS. It's like when you're asked, you do it. And, you know, hello, Fang Fang. Yeah, Fang Fang and, and uh, Swalwell, Swallows Well. So here, here's my clip. This is the <laughs> Who's new- 15 now. What? Who's 15 now, Swalswell? Come on. Uh, 
I'm sorry. You don't even know you're doing uh, it. This is trouble. Raid Docs. Raid Docs. New. This I've never heard this. One document shows it was an FBI special agent who authored the request for the search warrant. It also shows that an FBI special agent authored the affidavit. Another unsealed document shows the DOJ was worried about the destruction of evidence. Last week, former Trump official Cash Patel said on his Epic TV show that while Trump was still in office, he ordered the declassification of everything related to Russiagate and the Clinton email investigation. Patel said those documents were, for some reason, sent to the National Archives and never disclosed to the public. He argued that only the Constitution and constitutional amendments govern presidents, so the document statute cited by the DOJ shouldn't apply. Now, well, the thing I thought was interesting was the one special FBI agent behind this whole thing. Yeah. And the belief is, at least by these guys and some others, is that Trump accumulated a bunch of dirt on the <laughs> FBI, yeah. which targeted certain agents and specific people. Oh, that- like, yeah. I, I, one of them, what I heard was that uh, Strzok was also working, like contract working for the CIA and that they wanted to quash that. Yes, you've actually mentioned that in the last show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is possible that he's got the goods on that too. I don't know. Well, it's it's got to shake out. It's pretty funny and it's kind of entertaining. Marginally, yeah, that, you know, as as our as we as the cricket flour is added to our food products, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the beef products are going away, and things are changing slowly. Yeah, and you know, we should probably talk about Mayor Pete after the break. After I thank you very much and say in the morning to you, Mr. John C. Dvorak, the man who put the C's in Cheney Carville. Please say hello to my friend on the other end, John C. Dvorak. You wasted a seat. I did. In the morning to you, Mr. Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, feet in the air, subs in the water, and all the dames and knights out there. And a big in the morning to all of our trolls in the troll room. How you doing, trolls? Let's count them while we're at it. This is a Sunday. Let's see how they're Joe doing. Count. Oh, and they scurry away as usual. Let's see. Okay. Uh, what, is, what is a good number these days? 22. 24-16, baby. That's good. That's good. That's right. People care. People care. You know why? Holiday? <laughs> no idea. It's just coincidence. I don't know. It's, it's in the charts, I guess. Um, yes, you too can become a troll. Hang out with everybody. This is a lot of people who are listening live. I appreciate that. Go to trollroom.io. You can listen live and you can, uh, of course, troll along with all of the uh, the trolls, uh, which has been very helpful this morning. They have a couple of one-liners are doing okay and definitely given the right feedback. And if you'd like, go get one of those cool new podcast apps at newpodcastapps.com. Uh, that is uh, one, a couple there that will alert you when our, the show is live and you got the troll and everything right in there besides all the normal functions that you'd expect from a, a podcast app and 19 new features you can't get from apple or spotify what is the one what is the one you keep promoting the live live yeah the, the yes when you go live like we do so the right, name of the podcast app i'm talking oh about. podverse i'm sorry podverse is the one that does it the best right now uh if you want some other cool features try um was it fountain CurioCast, new podcast apps.com it's, it's a whole bunch of stuff but what i wanted to say is you know this has this has lift off this podcast index has become the place for developers if you want to make a cool podcast app a, a podcast listening experience it's all free and open go over there podcastindex.org and join in 
There's so much that you can do. Make a podcast app, just one app for one specific podcast. All of this stuff can be done. Just want to mm. remind people, it's, you know, there's a, we still have a journey ahead in killing Apple and Spotify. Working the on it. Journey ahead. Journey ahead. Um, of course, you can follow us at uh, noagendasocial.com. It looks like we'll be opening up some registration soon as the purge is complete. And people the have, purge. And people have stopped uh, lying to me. That, oh, man, I can't believe that I just logged in. No, you liar. We, we have logs. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to if you want to keep your account active and use it, if you don't use it, uh, we'll give that value to somebody else. But, of course, you can follow John C. Dvorak at NoAgendaSocial.com or Adam at NoAgendaSocial.com from any Mastodon instance pretty much anywhere across the Fediverse. And now we uh, need to thank the artist for episode 1478. We titled that one Flexitarianism. Um which I'm trying to promote as, uh, as the word for people who want to get out of this bullshit. It's like if, if, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan and you kind of like, you know, maybe, maybe I should you know, get some fish or meat or, you know, God forbid, some chicken, you know, but I don't want the, the pressure. Just tell them you're a flexitarian. It will be fine. Don't you think, John? Do you think that, that will be acceptable? No, I, it's acceptable to me. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tonta Neal, who brought us the artwork for Flexitarianism. A lot of discussion uh, uh, post-production on which art uh, piece of art to choose. This was the Cricket All Bug Shortening uh, in the vein of Crisco after we uh, deconstructed how Crisco came to be and, more importantly, what the future of Crisco is. Now, there were several, there were a couple of these actual Well, the, well examples. first of all, let's go, to the, let's go to the elephant in the room, which was the, it's, 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 it's competitor, which was Sir Net Ned's. Yes. Cricko. Yeah. Uh, cricket grease can, which was rejected by me largely. Yes. Because it was, you know, and it's just some little thing. It's a very minor thing because it's a better idea. I like cricket grease on the label. I like... Uh, it does still, he's still not, they're not, neither one of them mapped to a round uh, cylinder. Um, Tantanil didn't for sure. It's just flat. And it's, you know, she, she didn't map, but you don't have time. You're doing Photoshop. You're trying to get a good art. That's uh, you, right. They're trying, they, they, they got a family you, you to do, feed. You only have 15 minutes or so to do these art pieces. Mm-hmm. But the problem with, with Net, Sir Net Neds was it wasn't centered. It was like the can it, was. It bothered you. It bothered you to it no end. It bothered me to no end. It was like it wasn't. It was, and it should have bothered you because you're the the, the, the OC, freak. OCD guy. Yeah. So so it was just like it was just turned for some reason and just like what what. Yeah, it was not and Fibonacci, I, babe. So I, I I it got kicked off. It did. Uh, the other one, also, the can fits in the frame a little better. It doesn't go into the logo. And she curved her logo. It, it was good. She did a better mm-hmm. job. I, uh, I remember. There wasn't much else. Well, I, uh, Capitalist agenda, agenda did the CDC building blocks, which I thought was creative. But you looked at it and went, eh, which I understand. It's like, eh, it's okay. It wasn't, you know, it's like, just was okay. Another one. So boobs, uh, Uncle Cave Bear. No, that's all out. You like. We weren't the- doing any Brian Stelter material that's for no. sure i'm not gonna put that guy on our cover no we want people to listen to the show not be repulsed yeah, they see him oh he's doing they must have a guest they finally got a guest it's brian <laughs> stelter 
<laughs> I know. Well, listen. Hey, maybe we screwed it up. Uh, you were somewhat enamored with Sir Net Ned's uh, Hunter in the Basement. Hunter, are you there? Which I nixed for context. I just thought no one could really get that. No, even if I you was, heard no, the show. That's not true. I mentioned specifically I don't like those shouting boxes. I don't like the little bubbles. I don't like oh, the, you're the right. thought I stand, bubble. Yes, I don't I stand, like the yeah. voice bubble. I don't I like corrected. that. I stand corrected. That's what you said. I knew there was something about it. Stand corrected. They're called, uh, there's a name for that device. Uh, talker or something. Anything else? No, there really was. wasn't. It was uh, very... Uh, oh, there was some crudité. There's some nice breasts put in there, but it really... Hey, did you did you get a lot of people emailing you about the crudité from Dr. Oz? No, I got not one note. I got notes that said, come on, man, don't you guys understand this carpetbagger from Jersey? You know, he's like, oh, crudité, like you and John, you know, you've got refined palates. I'm like, hold on a second. Is this someone who I think might be a Republican or someone. I mean, I have no interest in being any type of party member of anything. I don't give a shit about Dr. Oz. I find the whole, I find most political stories annoying. Uh, but you played the clip and I happen to guess the crudité might be the issue. But the, the message I got from, I think, Republican voters who emailed me was, was kind of, you know, it went like that. Like, well, you know, it's like crudité, you guys might know. Clearly they know what crudité is. I'm like, so do these Republicans themselves think that the majority of Republicans are idiots, that they have never heard of crudité, that this is not a known word in flyover state? I didn't go to college, by the way. You know, it felt kind of like, geez. Yes, but you lived in Europe. You yeah. lived in Europe. They eat crudités in Europe in the French restaurants. No, what they call it over there is vortages. Just carrots. Vortages. <laughs> wow. There's a good one. Vortages. <laughs> no, it just felt like, gee, you know, it's like if, if, if it's not Cheney trying to break up the Republican Party, you're doing it to yourselves. You sh- I, you, you sh- well, uh, maybe, maybe I'm being overly sensitive. Maybe they're Democrats that were bitching. Oh, this is totally possible. I, I could have. It was just like, geez, I mean, is it really that? Because it has a French sound, like entrepreneur is hard to remember what that oh, means. Oh, entrepreneur, you big, <laughs> you big phony! <laughs> Thank you very much uh, uh, once again. To uh, heck, who was it now? I've already forgotten who did the Tantanil. art. Tantanil, yeah, Tantanil. There you go. Thank you, Tantanil. All the vortiches are for Dutch? you. Yeah, that's why I'm giving her vortiches. Uh, anybody can play along with this game, which means if you've got 15 minutes and a great idea and you're handy uh, with your tablet, your Photoshop, etc., jump at noagendaartgenerator.com, get cracking. Or just follow it if you're watching the live stream. Or go back now and you can see all of the selections that we passed over. Or you could actually be using one of those cool new apps and it shows up right now. I mean, we've changed the world. We've changed Yikes. everything. It's just amazing. Now let us thank... Some of the producers who keep this show on the air, uh, we ask for time, talent, treasure. I reiterate, when it comes to treasure, you, for $5 a month, may be a big deal to you. That is just as appreciated as any other donation. It should be you. You need to feel good about it because you put yourself out. You put as much value back as you could. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's talent. But twice during a show, we like to thank the people who came in with the treasure. Kicking it off with Edward Foltz. Uh, with $1,000 from Frankenmuth, Michigan, 
And right off the bat, it's a switcheroo. Switcheroo for Zach McClellan. Uh, now Sir Zach of Fudge Duloc. <laughs> Good to know. Who introduced me to the show 12 months ago. He needs a de-douching. Oh, hold on a second. Let me, let me get the, uh, the de-douching machine. Where is my de Oh, man. No? I don't know. My dedouching is not working. You've been dedouched. All right. He says, from Frankenmuth, Michigan, Dunkashone. Well, Dunkashone to you. Good. Well, and that takes us to uh, over to San Francisco, right across the bay. Right across the bay. Yes, right across uh, the Benjamin bay. Benjamin Natus, $333.33, San Francisco. Uh, was on Twitter reading a tweet from Elon. Someone commented on it. Please read at hidden exposed comment plus my response. <laughs> well, oh, I didn't. Thanks I for that the instruction set. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Just put it in the note. Yeah, just tell us what uh, it was, bro. And pl- I'm not going now. And go making to it complicated. It's complicated for us. I got a spreadsheet on this thing here. I plug my new Detroit meetup next week. Are you in the local one? Or are you doing your own Detroit meetups? We don't have any information here. Jingles, Climate Gate, Chemtrail. By the way, we'll go look at that later. Climate Gate, Chemtrails, uh, Flor- what is this? Floridity. Oh, fluoride in my cup. Oh, I didn't. Uh, and then he's got a uh, kind of URL here for something. Don't know what. Uh, that's that's the link. That's the that's the 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 link to to Elon stuff. That's oh, what, is it? That, is it any good? I don't know. I'm getting the jingles together. Okay. All right, so here's uh, Elon Musk uh, tweets, still so grateful, and it's a story about Billie Eilish, and okay, we'll put that in the show notes, everyone can look at that. It doesn't jump out as being hilarious or spectacular at this moment to me has elon ever i mean he does some good comebacks like a counterpuncher might do but has he ever done anything straight out funny yes he has subpoenaed uh the ad companies that twitter uses (laughs) no well that is funny because he says that there's 65 million more spam accounts than twitter admits to so i think that's a pretty funny move by elon personally Onward. Peter Rosinski is in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, 333.33. Another one was perfect executive producer donation amounts. Dedouching is in order, please. You've been dedouched. Uh, 333.33 in calendar week 33 to celebrate 33 years of married bliss to my remarkably patient wife. And we never had a fight. And karma for return to sanity in our country, please. Short and sweet. Thank you very much. We would like to thank you for that. Of course. Thank you, Peter. You've got karma. And from a Javan or Havan, J-A-V-A-N, Fisher in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, 333.33. And he's got the best note of the day. It says donation. <laughs> it so was... I give him a double douche, a double uh, dedouching or a double, no, a double karma. Oh, a double karma. Oh, okay. Oh, I wasn't prepared for that, but uh, yeah. I'm slow today, John. I'm not quite sure what's going on with me. Here we go. Coffee. <laughs> yeah, I'll drink some more. You've got... Double up! Pharma. Oh, that was the, that's the wrong one. That's the, the pharma one. Uh, we have uh, Jeff in Oakley, California, 333.33. 
Jeff, please. Got it. Congre- uh, gentlemen's greetings. I am a cop and work in the same department as the Baron Anonymous cop. John, if you need an armed escort to go bug shopping, let us know. I live close by. Bye. <laughs> Resist we much jingles, he asked for. How about that? Well, that's interesting because I know where Oakley is. Uh-huh. And I and if Baron Anonymous Cop is the same cop that I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. uh, he lives quite a distance from Oakley. I and he, I mean the the precinct, not the precinct, the the town that they're policing is quite a distance from Oakley. I'd like to know how you get from Oakley. <laughs> Oakley. I mean, okay. well, let's see. If we, let's see. If I'm we make... skeptical about if these guys actually know each other. Let's see if we can make a love connection. The GOP fighting is escalating. Political says Democrats are outright jitty. <laughs> Happy to watch the GOP implode. There you go. A little bit of Al for you, Sir Andy of Terrigal Beach is our first associate executive producer, 227-55. Dear John and Adam, I knew it was time to donate these three, four, five, six, seven Aussie dollars. Okay, he has to be upgraded to oh, yes. executive producer. Yes. Consider when I heard that. the note from Kyle of the Brothers of the Serpent podcast, I have been following these boys since I first heard you read out a donation letter from them two years ago. And I will be catching up with them in November. Between the best podcast in the universe and these two Texas farm boys, my sanity and faith in humanity is assured. They are big promoters of the value for value model, but need a bit of help in getting their podcasting 2.0 up and running. Okay. Please credit this donation to my sm- another switcheroo. Credit this <laughs> donation to my smoking hot girl, Kyle Thompson. Also, can I get a birthday shout out to my son, Eddie, Eddie Cantrell. Who turns 13 this week, and he's on the list. They no always jingles, no give karma. me a biscuit on my birthday. He gets a biscuit. He gets a biscuit. No jingles, no karma. No, but I just need to, what was the name again? Sure. Uh, hot uh, Andy of Kyle. Uh, Kylie. 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 It says, it says Kylie with I-E, so. That's, okay, so we switch through that. Got it. Okay, then we have a note here, which I believe I have. From Rami, where's Rami? Where's Rami? I'm here. We go, Rami. Uh, Rami, is this one note? Yeah. Uh, found your podcast when Adam was. Oh, this is the one. Found your this podcast when Adam was on Megyn Kelly's podcast. Wow, this is what she says. <laughs> Another metalhead '80s Cali survivor. <laughs> Love this value to, value for value model. I love to barter. I love to barter my wares. Mm. Please de-douche me. You've been de-douched. This is from my business account. Still holding on. Thanks. Uh, Dorami. It's, it's actually Dorami. Okay. Rami. Thank you, Rami. Thank you very much. I don't think she needed anything else. Or he. Dorami. Do, no, do, like do Rami. So oh, I get it. Dorami. Got it. So she uh, does... Uh, bags or something, I think. She sent a card. Oh. And uh, Jay went to her website and looked at, or looked at this her work. She's a really great artist. Oh, really? Don't know that she sells these things, but huh. uh, these cool. are quite good. Cool. Quite good. Ta- all talent. Oh, you're up. Turn. Yeah, you're up. Ah, well, I'm in Trego, Trego, Montana. And I'm looking at uh, Joseph 
Rizzy or Ritzy, Rizzy, 20822. Uh, switcheroo, another switcheroo. Yep. We can handle Happy birthday, Patty and Ritzy of Tucson on August 22nd. Love, Big Mike, B, Sir, and Joe. Jingles. Uh, jingles. No ye slaves. The Baron Vladimir. No, 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 no. Jingles. Respect. Boogity, oh, boogity. I'm sorry. I would yeah, jump to the next in yellow note by mistake. Sorry. R-E-S-P-I-C-T. You've got Karma. Okay, now, now we go. Now we got Baron Vladimir Harkonnen from Arvada, Colorado. 202.02. We love the 202.02s. Know ye slaves that Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, enslaver of the spice planet Dune, is returning to Earth to retrieve his goats and celebrate his birthday. The Baron will be hosting a meetup for Gitmo slaves and commands those able to attend. To attend! A high member of his court, Robbie the Fire Bernstein, will be presenting a conspiracy comedy show. Hey, see, now now we're talking. Now we've got meetups with entertainment. I'm loving this. Laxpur, Colorado, August uh, 27th, Christina's birthday, Saturday. Check out noagendameetups.com for more. Kindly make the Baron's birthday forever known as August 29th. Play a double dose of stereo goat karma, also known as the luge karma. Uh, let's see. And the goat comment to give the barons four goats safe interstellar transit uh, and also play I like bugs for yourselves, you lowly bug eaters. How kind. Thank you so much. You've got. Karma. You've got karma. Thanks. Tastes like poop. Let's see if I get this name right. Jasper Newt in Harlem, <laughs> Nout. Netherlands. Nout. It's actually Nout. Nout. Jasper Nout. N U I J T. I can be excused. That's not one anyone can No, pronounce. no, not at all. No. Although after 15 years, you'd think you'd pick something up. You picked up. Harlem, $200.33. This is a beer pot left over from the No Agenda Harlem Town Meetup. Big oh. thanks to Sander, Cindy, Martin, Sam, Belinda, Aaron, and Hessel for your courage. Rotterdammer's in the house. Lovely evening. Next one on Sunday, 9-11. Jasper and Pascal. And see, that was good. You said Jasper. Very good. You did pick some stuff up. I'm very happy about that. And our final uh, associate executive producer, shortish list today, is Raymond Smith, who's in Penfield, Pennsylvania. Stonks karma of the yak variety, please. That is all for now. Thanks. Can't beat that kind of note. You've got karma. Yeah, I want to thank these people. These are the executive and associate executive producers show 1479 i want to thank each and every one of them to making this show happen and uh we've got more people to thank later in the show and uh when you become an executive or associate executive producer of the no agenda show you automatically are assigned a credit a real credit 
which you can use where credits are recognized, LinkedIn, your uh, curriculum, your your um, uh, your resume, uh, an IMDb, an official place for real credits. Lots of No Agenda producers there. Check it out. And if you'd like to become an exec or an associate exec, go to this website to find out more. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. Thank you all for producing episode 1479 of the No Agenda Show. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. wave in china <laughs> hold on a second i i was prepared for a lot but not for heat wave in china uh let me see Is, oh you got a whole bunch here excellent not a china yeah because they, 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 you listen to heat wave in china this is i think npr 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 and i want after the you there's a four short clips i want you to tell me what's wrong with this picture after the this is done let's go with heat wave in china not a china where people have been dealing with record-breaking temperatures since early July. The heat is so severe, some cities in southwestern China cut power to all factories this week. And PR Beijing correspondent Emily Fang is on the line. Emily, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Help us understand how severe this heat is. It's pretty bad. China's been in this continuous heat wave officially for the last 68 this, is this an NPR reporter or is she a stringer? What, she's, she's very breathy. <sighs> Days, which is the longest heat wave on record since China's National Climate Center started keeping records back in 1961. More than 240 <gasps> cities this week said they forecasted temperatures above 104 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty hot. The country's <laughs> issued its first national drought alert in nine years. And it's pushed places like central Hubei province, for example, to pretty extreme methods. They're so desperate for rainfall that they said this week they're starting to seed clouds, which is this experimental method where you shoot metal mm-hmm. up into the clouds so you think you might have rain. Oh, you mean like uh, geoengineering? Cloud seeding? Chemtrails. Hold on a second. Let's just listen to what she said. She said experimental method which is when i was a kid <laughs> again back rockets. in the 19th during the international gf they were doing it all the time in california they used silver salts and it was always a salt they didn't shoot metal into the clouds hey here's some lead let's just t- t- yeah t- but you- but hold on a second maybe they're doing something else under the guise no, of she, cloud no, seeding. No. yeah okay she okay. doesn't know what she's talking about is the point well, she doesn't okay. know what it is. It's not an experimental method. It's been used for eons, yeah. and it's not. And you don't shoot metal up in the cloud. That way, everyone who owns a shotgun in California can make it rain. <laughs> Just boom! There you go. There's some lead. So this is <laughs> irksome to no end to me. To, for somebody who doesn't, it never heard of such a thing. But okay, let's continue. And it's pushed places like central Hubei province, for example, to pretty extreme methods. They're so desperate for rainfall that they said this week they're starting to seed clouds, which is this experimental method where you shoot metal mm-hmm. up into the clouds. So you think you might have rain. OK, I just need to play that again so you could hear her say it. Are we ready for the second clip? 
Yeah, go. Uh, it's not proven, but this is how much they need water because the lack of water is even affecting the power supply in other places. Uh, a province called Sichuan in the southwest is about 80% reliant on hydroelectric power, except they don't have rain. <laughs> okay, this is another one. This shows you how dumb <laughs> Without shit. rain, you can't have a lake, I guess. <laughs> Without rain, you can't have hydroelectric power. I guess uh, right. I never heard this. You knew that you knew this. Ah, uh, so okay. So now we're. Why is this? Why is NPR put this crap on? Because they're sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for the climate change chapter. Hello. Actually, the amount of money that Bill and Melinda Gates gives to NPR which I think I have the numbers here because it was printed out uh, last year. Somebody came up and documented this. It's like $30 million. Do you consider that to be a lot or not a lot? Seems like a lot to me. We don't make that. Where's our money? Okay, let's go. (laughs) Again, back to the podcaster bit. And this is the time when the demand for energy is much higher because people are relying on air conditioning to keep cool. So this week, Sichuan, that province, which has more than 80 million people, decided it was cutting off electricity to most factories for about seven days so they can ensure people would have power at home and the power grids wouldn't overload. Mm. And and that can't be good news for the world supply chain, can it? <laughs> it is more bad news because a number of major multinationals have factories in Sichuan. There's an electronics component maker named Foxconn. There are American companies like Intel and Texas Instruments, which have factories there that are highly reliant on stable power. And these factories together make important components for our cars uh-huh. and electronics. So even though the power is just out for a week, it's going to take them far longer to restart production once again when when the power turns back on, and that's only going to make this ongoing global semiconductor shortage worse. On top of that, China's already suffering from economic pressures because it has these on and off again COVID restrictions, and this heat wave does not help. And you see this impact already in the most recent economic statistics for the country. They came out last week. They're pretty dire. They show that consumer spending missed all forecasts. The official youth unemployment is nearly 20%. Unofficially, it's probably much higher, and home sales have fallen. Oh, man, how come they never say that about American numbers? Unofficially, inflation is probably much higher. No, they never do that. Let's go to the last clip, and then I'm going to have to ask Adam a question. No. What's wrong with this picture? What we're seeing this summer in China is likely going to become more and more common. There was a report from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in 2018 that forecast a big part of northern China could become unlivable by the end of the century because of extreme heat. And that conversely means that flash flooding is becoming more and more common because the ground is not able to absorb water when it does rain. And this week alone in China, there were two flash floods that killed 22 people. There's Emily Fang. Thanks so much. So the question is, what's wrong with this picture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's wrong with this picture? I'm not sure, John. You've stumped me. Where is the blame on global warming? Oh, goodness, you're so right. This was a, Wasn't it a little bit in that last clip about sea level rise? No, right? not really. Hold on, hold on. Let me just listen. What we're seeing this summer in China is likely going to become more and more common. There was a report from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in 2018 that forecast a big part of northern China could become unlivable by the end of the century because of extreme heat. And that conversely means that flash flooding is becoming Mm, more and more common because the ground is not able to absorb water when it does rain. And this week alone in China, there were two flash floods that killed 22 people. 
Here's Emily Fang. Thanks so much. Wow. She should be fired immediately. No, her, con- no, no. her contract you should, should be terminated. You're missing the point. Oh. There was no mention whatsoever on global warming because it was a report on China, and China already told Biden to stuff it so far as their cooperation with their global warming bullcrap. And it would reflect poorly on Biden to remind people of this. So they just dropped the topic. Wow. I think this was just an attempt to cover for Biden. Hmm. Because if you recall, when the Taiwan visit took place with Nancy Pelosi, the the Chinese were so irked. They said, we're not even going to cooperate in the global warming anymore. They'd have to remind people of that ah, if they brought global warming up in that report. Yep. And you know they were itching to. Then that was NPR, New Tang Dynasty. That was NPR. NPR. Not New Tang Dynasty. No, New Tang Dynasty doesn't. No. This so, was NPR refusing. Normally, NPR's all over. They always say, oh, global warming, global warming. But this time they didn't. I just found that fascinating. You know, um, uh, the, all the reports about Texas, and no doubt we have a, we have a drought issue, uh, but they've really been hyping it up about, oh, it's so horrible. It's a triple digit for 50 days, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, if you remember in 2010, uh, I did my first meetup in Austin, Texas. I happened to remember the temperature that day. 112 degrees in the shade. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, and we had an outdoor meetup with 33 people. I remember it well. I moved to Texas very soon after that, despite the climate change clearly telling me to stay in California. Uh, and for the next two years, I lived in a house that had a view over Lake Travis, which there were no boats in Lake Travis. You were not allowed to have your boat because the water was at the bottom. The boathouses were 50 feet above the waterline. But no, this somehow is the worst summer ever. A little bit of <laughs> a little bit of life experience, a little bit of observation goes a long way. 2012 was the same. 2012 was actually worse than 2010. And all the good old boys around here will say, will tell you. Wait, remember 2012? Yes, I do. I was uh, here soon. Well, that's typical. Uh, but now that you mentioned Texas, though, I do have to play the Texas clip. Are we still, My on, favorite- are we, are we still on climate change? <laughs> no, no, we're off of climate change. Oh, I was just going to say one more thing about climate change. No, no, we'll pick it up in a minute. Okay, Texas. What do you got about Texas? I, well, the climate change might, well, I, okay. Don't worry, this, it'll fit. This, to me, I have to, I never was a big fan of Glenn, of Abbott, Glenn Abbott, but I have to say. <laughs> Gregory Abbott, but I, Glenn is good. We'll take Glenn, Glenn Abbott, Abbott, whatever Glenn his Abbott. name is. Glenn Abbott. Abbott. <laughs> Glenn. Abbott. It's Glenn Abbott so, uh, from now on. Abbott and Costello. So Abbott, <laughs> I really love this guy now because I just think, and I don't know why other places don't do this, <laughs> the, but the yes, idea of busing the migrants yeah. to Washington, D.C. and New York City yeah. on the Texas dime it's got to be money well worth spending. More migrants and, and as- oh, sorry. asylum yeah. seekers I'm are being sorry. bussed. Go, it was so well timed. More migrants it and was. asylum seekers yeah. are being bussed northward from the U.S.-Mexico border. As NPR's Amy Held reports, some city officials are trying to put a clearer plan in place as they strain to accommodate them. 
In New York City this week, people packed into buses pulled into the Port Authority. People arrived hungry, thirsty, some with medical conditions. Immigrant Affairs Commissioner Manuel Castro says the city has a new interagency plan in place to provide services, including schooling for children. Nonprofits and volunteers have largely been stepping in to help those fleeing crime and poverty back home, <laughs> only to face uncertainty and homelessness once they arrive. Texas Governor Greg Abbott started moving the migrants in April, he says to highlight the Biden administration's border failures. The majority, more than 7,000, have been bused to Washington, D.C., where the mayor has renewed a rejected request for the National Guard to help. Yeah, this this is quite humorous. Um, <laughs> actually, we wouldn't typically do this, but I do have a report on this as well from uh, New York, from ABC, WN, I think it's the New York station. Uh, typically, I wouldn't play it because you just kind of gave the info. But it'll be fun to compare ABC and NPR to the reporting on this, see how much is the same and what is additional, if anything. Tonight, migrants seeking asylum arrive at all hours in New York City. Officials are racing to come up with a plan to help care for them. We've opened 13 hotels to increase our capacity. Uh, and uh, we're looking at every single option that we have. Officials say more than 6,000 have come already in the last three months. Early this morning, two buses from Texas pulling into the Port Authority in Manhattan, carrying 78 people, among them at least 15 children, one just two months old, and a pregnant woman, days from delivery. She was taken to a hospital. Nightline meeting 18-year-old Amaro just after he got here last week. I'm still a boy who's very young. I hope to have better opportunities here, he says. It took him two months to reach Texas from Venezuela. With more and more children on those buses, today's city officials announced a program called Project Open Arms to try and quickly integrate some 1,000 migrant children into New York City public schools, simplifying the enrollment process and calling for more bilingual teachers. Officials also had a message for Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who has been sending the buses on a one-way trip without coordinating with officials at their destinations. We're asking the governor to please stop and let all of us work together to figure out how we can best provide the assistance that these human beings need. Stop, Glenn Abbott. So there's a little kick, little kicker to this, what you heard in the beginning about wh- what the plan is in New York. And this is a well-known plan in, in cities that don't have their shit together. Austin did the same thing. What are they going to do? Well, tonight, the mayor of New York City issuing an emergency solicitation seeking bids for up to 5,000 hotel rooms and other facilities that can accommodate and provide services to these migrants on just a 24-hour notice, Lindsay. Still need more hotel rooms. Mola, thank you. More hotel rooms. This is, this is it. This is universal basic income for the hotel industry, which has been wrecked, of course. Tourism is wrecked everywhere. And now they're going to wreck these hotels. And allow me to tell you how this works with asylum hotels. Um, There's many examples, but the Netherlands was a story just this past week. Um, uh, Asylum seekers, as they're called, uh, they are basically coming from all, this has been going on for for 12 years. They've been just letting anybody into this very small country. And they put them up in, and now, of course, it's from, it used to be from Syria recently, and then now it's uh, obviously from Ukraine. And But the people are from all over. And a lot of the Muslim uh, asylum seekers, they're put in hotels, and they're now rioting. They're rioting because they don't like the breakfast and lunch. Listen, we don't like this Dutch breakfast. You give us... You give us bread and cheese 
and uh, and and bread and jam. It's not culturally appropriate. So just give us money and we'll do it ourselves. But of course, you can't cook in a hotel room. So this has now become a problem, and they're they're getting the fighting. It's it's it doesn't work out. This is so distressing. And a lot of these people, they you ask them. Yeah, Joe Biden said, come on, it's good. We'll hook you up. We'll give you a phone. We'll give you a debit card. It's so, so wrong, inhumane. Just a-holes. Um, and so the rest of the... While, while you're talking about... I, I got two more clips to play about migrants. This is a different... Or This is about Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is a collapsed state. Yeah. And I, there's something in this, these clips that just kind of got my attention. So I clipped, they're not that interesting, but these people are trying to escape Sri Lanka. This reminds me of something Ron Paul said, not Ron Paul, but Ron Paul said some years ago. But play Leaving Sri Lanka, WTF. And more from Sri Lanka. As anarchy gripped the capital city of Colombo in May, a couple gambled their family's life savings on a two-week, nearly 3,000-mile voyage with their two young sons. The decision ended in ruin. The Sri Lankan Navy vessel is looking for potential human smuggling boats. As more people look to escape the crisis-hit country, patrols along the coast have become more regular. They check this fishing boat. It's carrying nothing more than nets and fish. Leaving the country unofficially is illegal in Sri Lanka, but people have increasingly been willing to take that risk. Leaving the country is illegal. Yeah, that's how you do it, man. You lock everybody down. This is what, remember when Ron Paul said, you know, you build a fence, you do, you know, it's not to keep people out, it's to keep you in. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, what happened in East Germany is a good example. Um... I just found that distressing. These poor people are stuck there and they can't they can't get out. Transport themselves out. It's no. illegal. No, you gotta stay here and suffer. I mean the part there's a part two of that clip. That's pretty much the point I was I don't to I make. don't mind listening to it. Nearly a thousand people have been arrested this year to date. Almost a record breaking number. Minu Makala's husband is among them. In late May, they boarded a thirty foot boat under the cover of night with their two teenage sons. They paid their life savings of $1,400 for the one-way trip to Australia. We only had seawater to bathe with and use in the toilet. We couldn't use fresh water because then we could have run out of it. We suffered from hunger unlike ever before. Not even in our childhood did we suffer such hunger. Then we couldn't sleep because the boat was rocking so much. Their ship suffered a fuel problem, and eventually it was intercepted by the Australian Coast Guard. The family was sent back to Sri Lanka. Minu faces the charge of leaving the country from an unauthorized port. Her husband is accused of an additional charge of assisting in the logistics of the journey, and now awaits trial in prison. Yeah, it's, it's, assisting in the logistics of the journey is also a crime. It's also incredibly sad. This is... Uh, part ESG, part poor monetary policy, creating too much money. You think that's you think that's funny or bad? Check out Venezuela. If you need proof of how bad it is in Venezuela right now, look at this purse. This purse is made entirely of the bills of the Venezuelan currency, the bolivares. Inflation is so high that this money is now completely worthless. And so my friend Jorge over here 
has gathered a ton of this stuff and turned it into commodities, into purses, into sculptures. It is worse than it sounds, and it sounds pretty bad. The country's inflation rate will rise to one million percent. <laughs> Whoa! So this guy is selling purses on the street that he's that he's made basket weaving style out of old bills from yesterday. I mean that's that's done. If, I mean, of course, there's a dollar economy, a a, a, a black market dollar economy in Venezuela, but yeah. a, a million percent. That's done, right? It's like what what's next? Yeah, it's a failed economy when that happens. That's, that could be the least. But how will people eat? How? Uh, what's going to happen? How will they? It goes to a barter economy when that happens. But, uh, mm, that's pretty really much bad. goes to a pure barter economy unless you have dollars. So things are falling apart here in the United States, uh, particularly when it comes to our transportation system. Uh, in addition to that, the climate change. I, I would like to uh, read this to you. Uh, I can just it's the headline. Um, in Australia, here it is, Bank Australia has announced starting 2025, it will no longer finance personal loans for uh, combustion engine automobiles. So you, so unless you save up and buy an old clunker or you're willing to finance a Tesla or some other battery car, you're not going to have one. So that's how they do it to you. When it comes to flying... We've had some issues here in the United States, mainly because pilots and air crew have been treated like shit for many, many years. The whole business is a government bailout business. The government de facto really operates most of these airlines. Um, and then when it came towards uh, came to vaccination status, a lot of certainly pilots said, you know what, screw you. I'm not risking my career. I'm not risking my health. I don't trust that it. it's not safe. And they were all dismissed. And now they either won't come back or they're saying, you know, pay me. Right down to where I think it was Delta Airlines, they, their negotiations, they've even negotiated personal to me luggage for every pilot. That, that's how pissed off they are. But it doesn't matter because Mayor Pete... He's got a plan. Tonight, the Department of Transportation putting airlines on notice, saying fix your problems or new rules are coming. Secretary Pete Buttigieg writing to America's 10 largest carriers that the level of disruption Americans have experienced this summer is unacceptable, noting that in the first six months of this year, roughly 24% of domestic flights have been delayed and 3% canceled. The secretary has said to take a step back. Let's rethink where we are in the industry and actually get back to scheduling an operation that you can actually accommodate. The airline's lobbying group not staying quiet, responding that the pandemic has wreaked havoc on all businesses, saying industries across the economy are facing a range of challenges, including a tight labor market. And the government tonight with direct requests for airlines to provide meal vouchers for delays of three hours or more and lodging accommodations for passengers who must wait overnight at an airport because of disruptions within the carrier's control. These people are so disconnected. You can't even get a hotel room overnight. So many flights are canceled. They, uh... I have a, a report from New Tang Dynasty on the same topic with Buttigieg. Uh, it's slightly different in the, in the way they took it, but they they also left out the people who quit because of the forced vaccinations. Well, and uh, of course they were vaccination mandates. It, it, but they left it out of their report too. But they take a little different perspective. 
According to FlightAware, more than 40,000 flights have been canceled since June. Buttigieg says the Department of Transportation is going to publish an online dashboard (laughs) where travelers can quickly and easily get all the relevant info they need for their flights, including cancellations and delays. The Federal Aviation Administration says some of the flight problems have been caused by staffing problems at air traffic control facilities. I mean, I'm not even going to play my 11 second clip kicker which was the same thank you beautiful it's another dashboard wait actually let me see what abc called it so what are you owed if an airline cancels or delays your flight well the department of transportation now says it's going to launch a website in the next few weeks making that crystal clear no matter which airline you fly i like dashboard much better it, it, they yeah dashboard dashboard which is, is the way to go hello 1980s yeah yeah, it's the same people who brought you the uh, uh, Obamacare website, no doubt. But this is so, so wrong, uh, putting it all onto the airlines. This is not. This is only going to worsen the situation. People are now going to be demanding their vouchers and where's my hotel, and it's going to come to blows. People are going to get hurt. And meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, the elites of the world, not you and me, not you, we're all Scum, no, the elites, they get this. We are starting with the breaking news from American Airlines. They are betting on supersonic travel. The carrier has agreed to purchase 20 supersonic overture planes from Boom Supersonic. The deal is the second firm order in the last two years for Boom. The company is still years away from building its first commercial airplane. Boom says the overture jet will fly as fast as 1,300 miles per hour, cutting international flight times by about half. American Airlines has the option to purchase another 40 overtures in the future. Boom will build the planes at a plant in Greensboro. The first model is expected to roll out in 2025 with first flight in 2026. Yeah. Eat your bugs in your stand-up seat, you stupid surfs. Whoosh. Here we go. Later <laughs> like Ladies and gentlemen, as we uh, cruise now at 60,000 feet, we have just uh, built a sound barrier. We are now uh, going, oh, look down there, if you can see it, one of those slave aircraft. <laughs> That's right. Remember those days, people, when you had to fly like that? Enjoy. Enjoy our short trip to Paris. That's what it's going to be. They're actually going to, they're that gonna... sounds about right. I think that's exactly <laughs> what you'll be hearing. Oh, the quality might be a little better because it's an expensive jet. It's very probably expensive not, jet. now that I think about it. It's going it. to be very similar to that. It sounds the same. I have two 1970 throwback clips. Yay, yay. All right. Do we need a time back machine? Do we need... Uh... Do we have a time back machine? Uh, we have... It's not specific. It's not clips from there. It's clips about then. So uh, no, you don't know. It's not a, it's not a true old clip. Which I do have in the back in the in the in the archive. Well, I was just thinking maybe just like like one of those. Uh, I don't know, maybe. All right, maybe. all right, all right. This is UK 1973. This is a couple of about the inflation now and then. Soaring energy prices, a cost of living crisis, and rising work unrest. History looks like it is repeating itself in Britain as the country grapples with an Hello. economic crisis that bears similarities to that of the 1970s. So how did Britain handle the crisis back then? Energy rationing marked then Prime Minister Edward Heath's tenure. The organisation of Arab petroleum exporting countries had declared an oil embargo, forcing Heath's government to consider some extreme proposals. This footage from December 1973 shows customers being led by workers with gas lamps in darkened stores on London's main shopping street. Britain today is unlikely to face such prolonged blackouts. 
But experts say anything that threatens a world of contactless payments and computerized tills will add to anxiety over the country's ability to withstand <laughs> social and economic shocks. Consumer price inflation peaked in 1975 at 24.5%, and it was not until the 1990s that it fell sustainably into low single digits. Like 50 years ago, Britain today faces double-digit inflation. The Bank of England expects to see inflation exceeding 13% this October, which would be the highest rate in 42 years. Yeah, it's a mess over there. I'd love to hear clip two, and then we can talk about what's uh, what is expected to happen. If okay. Yeah. Political analyst Peter Kellner was a Sunday Times journalist in the 1970s. The, there is potentially a double parallel between Britain today and Britain in 1973, thereabouts, in that the inflation which took off, took off in Britain in 1973 and stayed high for the rest of the decade, was um, the first um, impulse towards inflation was a combination of domestic forces. Historian Alwyn Turner agrees there are similarities, but also big differences, such as the background of top politicians. I think our problem now is a lack of knowledge. We don't have anybody around in politics who can remember what it was like with inflation. Certainly not in office, and indeed many of them not at all, because you know this is this is quite a young generation of politicians we have now. So I think there's uh, there's a danger in possibly in the other direction. They, 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 the people are slightly lost by it. Heath, like Johnson today, had aspirations to shift Britain's economy into a higher gear. In 1972, his government announced a budget to double the rate of economic growth, which stoked inflation. Today's leadership frontrunner, Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, has been accused by rival candidate Rishi Sunak of making a similar mistake with her vow to slash taxes. In the end, Heath paid the price for his handling of the economy and worker relations. He lost to the opposition Labour Party in a 1974 snap election. <coughs> yes, I remember well, a lot of those. The mistakes made in the 70s look like they're going to be made again by Liz well, when she gets in. It's only good. It's only the 70s again if you screw it up the same way. Yeah, it's, well, that's what they say that Liz is going to do. She's going to screw it up the same way. Mess it up. So there yeah. was a, there was an article in the Financial Times, which I mean, the Financial Times it costs a lot of money. To, it's not easy to to crack the paywall. So this was a real article, and the title is "A Winter Energy Reckoning Looms for the West," and they paint a very, very, very bleak and dark picture, in particular of the European Union. Um. Uh, it, it starts off, across the world, politicians are ever more desperately looking to contain the explosive consequences of the energy crisis. In those parts of Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, already mired in multiple economic and political difficulties, the crisis is providing catastrophic. Those who import liquid natural gas must now compete with European latecomers of the LNG market, seeking an alternative to pipelined Russian gas. It's so bad that in this article, they even reference... Uh, politicians having backroom conversations about possibly cutting some kind of deal with Putin because they know that their people are going to be very cold, very unhappy, possibly starve, 
Now, RT blames this on the U.S., which I think there's some validity to it (laughs) about how he played it. But what's interesting is that this kind of happens in the same backdrop of the Iran deal. And and I'm, I'm kind of wondering, since Venezuela has now stopped oil shipments to Europe, I want and natural gas. I wonder if Iran, which I think don't they have one of the largest gas fields or untapped resources there? Do you think that the idea of these globalist elites is to make Iran the new Russian gas station for everybody? Well, I I don't see how they can make that work personally. So uh, I hope not. <laughs> well, they're they're hell bent on doing some kind of deal, so I don't know. It just felt felt yeah, like something like they're, that. They're a, an unreliable resource, Iran. Well, this is a fact. <laughs> There's nothing good over there for sure. Uh, let's see what else do we have here? Well, I have the a little report here with a uh, kind of a kicker in it, which. Involves the Russian, which is the shipping grains. Shipping Shipping grains. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says getting more grain out of Ukraine is vital if world food prices are to go down. He was speaking in Istanbul, here where Turkey is coordinating an international effort that's enabled the resumption of grain shipments through the Black Sea despite the war. Just yesterday, I was in Odessa port and saw the first hand loading on a cargo of wheat onto a ship. I was so moved watching the wheat fill up the hold of the ship. It was the loading of hope for so many around the world. Guterres also says it's very important to make sure that Russian food and fertilizer, which are not subject to the sanctions, are also given unimpeded access to the global markets. What a oh. what a crap show! So what? what a, yeah, what a crap show! Oh, fertilizers been exempted from the uh, these all these uh, horrible uh, sanctions. Oh, interesting, huh? Well, they grab a few yachts, but this, they, they realize the that, that, that people are going to starve. They, they uh, yeah, the public is going to put up with this crap. They they will go for people's heads. They have to be very careful, very very careful. People are they're getting pretty fed up. Um, I just want to play more from George Monbiot because he now he was on BBC. <laughs> Your buddy. BBC. Your new buddy, George Monbiot. Monbiot is, is the commie from hell. Uh, he's a writer, journalist, whatever, um, globalist douchebag. But, for, you know, he writes for The Guardian and for, he was on, forget what I played the last time, but now he's on BBC Hard Talk spewing this. Food production yeah. is a success story. Absolutely. It's been an, an astonishing success. In fact, almost too much of a success. We, we produce roughly twice as many calories as we need, but a huge amount of that is wasted by being channeled through livestock, which is very inefficient use of calories, or... Very wasteful to channel your calories through livestock. Um, biofuels, and then some of it is just wasted. Um, so we've got this tremendously productive system, but it deeply threatens earth systems on which we also depend entirely for our survival and which itself depends upon. What's an earth system? Do you know what an earth system is? It's some bullcrap. I want to mention something. It seems to me that you mention it. Livestock is one of the best ways, one of the least wasteful ways, because you could, unless they die from, from no water, 
they they kind of maintain themselves, and so they don't have an expiration date when they're in the field. They're just munching away, and they can you can kill them uh, to eat them. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, you, it's fine. You can eat them, you know, at, at at different ages. You can let them get old. I mean, it's like you know, it's kind of like very flexible. It seems like very flexible as opposed to something with like vegetables, for example. When those things are ready to pick, you got to pick them, and That's they right. go bad if you don't distribute them right away. They don't. They rot, and they rot in the field. Less so with livestock. Well, just like uh, we're being prepared for the elites to be flying over us at twice the height and three times the speed, we're being prepared to eat bugs and not eat beef. Earth systems on which we also depend entirely for our survival and which itself depends upon. Agriculture depends on a habitable planet and is already being hit by a series of climate shocks, water shocks, soil shocks, which agriculture is driving as much or more than any other industry. Tell me a little bit about the soil. Because in the book, you literally and metaphorically dig deep into what is happening to the soil beneath our feet. Ooh, this is, I'm interested now. What's happening with the soil? What is happening? Well, it turns out. Soil shock. Uh, the soil is not just an ecosystem, it's also a biological structure. It's like a coral reef. It's built by the creatures <laughs> that inhabit it. So- soil is now like a coral reef, which, by the way, has tripled in size in Australia, magically. Bacteria up to the giants of the soil, earthworms. And that um, ecosystem is entirely dependent on the life forms within it. If those life forms disappear, if we wipe them out, the soil literally collapses. Its structure, which has been built by those organisms, collapses. Many of the ways of producing it are devastating to that soil from which we receive 99% of our calories. So for instance, if you apply too much nitrate fertilizer, paradoxically, it can destroy the fertility of the soil because um, the bacteria in the soil, if they have too much nitrate, they burn through the carbon, which they use as a cement, which builds the soil structure. So the whole structure collapses in on itself. The soil becomes waterlogged and airless, and it can actually inhibit um, plant growth. John C. Dvorak, your professional chemical uh, analysis of these statements. Well, we know that over-fertilization is not good. That's where you have to rotate crops. There's plenty. The farmers know how to deal with this. Been doing that for centuries and generations. They've been doing it for centuries, and the newer farmers do it even better. And even the corporate farmers do it well. This is bull crap. Well, let's listen to his solutions. I divide the food system into three. Um, grain, or arable farming. Um, horticulture, that's fruit and veg. And protein-rich and fat-rich foods. And we veg. desperately need farming <laughs> I to know. produce arable. Don't you hate it when... <laughs> veg. Veg. Vegetables. Fruit and veg. And protein-rich and fat-rich foods. And we desperately need farming to produce arable and horticultural products. But I think by far and away, the most benign thing we can do, and indeed it gives us the best chance we have of getting through this century, is to take the production of protein-rich foods out of farming altogether and into the factory. So so you, you, without being very specific and blunt about it, you are saying that livestock farming, as we know it, right around the world, from the Welsh sheep farmer to the, the Maasai herdsman, has to end. Human beings have to stop raising animals for meat. The harsh truth is that livestock farming is the greatest driver of those disastrous impacts which I've already mentioned, and yet 
it produces very little of our food by comparison to the smaller drivers of those impacts, which are the arable and horticultural production. It's obviously an important component, and I'm not saying take away animals from take away animals from subsistence farmers at all. But for those of us who have a choice of diets, yes, we should be getting out of meat eating, getting out of milk and eggs, and switching towards not just a plant-based diet, but I want to see those crucial protein sources replaced by microbial protein produced through precision fermentation. It's it's an enhanced form of brewing. Precision fermentation. I am so excited about my my burger being precision fermented. And oh no, let's look into the future, which is actually now. Nothing is impossible. Taco Bell, it's testing a new plant-based meat alternative at some of its locations. So the fast food chain announced it has debuted a new crispy melt taco at some restaurants in Alabama, of all places. Yeah, right there. Yeah, right. So the meat alternative is made with soy and pea protein blend. It's inspired by classic Taco Bell flavors. And this comes as Taco Bell partnered with Beyond Meat for more vegetarian and vegan options. Those products will be available before the end of the year. Always Taco Bell in those native ads. That's a native ad. But let's... Boy, can I just... Can I just just say one thing? Wait, isn't Taco Bell tacos already uh, not beef? I was always... That was exactly what I was going to say. They are the OG plant-based protein, which is wood. Yeah, they got wood in there. God knows what's in a Taco Bell taco. Silica, silica, sand, sand. Sand. The sand is the best part. And dirt. I'm sure there's dirt in there because it tastes like dirt. (laughs) It's nothing like a Taco Bell taco if you want to... Taste the future. The question is, are we just going to laugh our way as the Titanic? Yes, we are. And by the way, wasn't it the Judge Dredd movie where they're driving around and somebody says, oh, every every restaurant's now a Taco Bell. Oh, that's uh, that's um, the futuristic one with, uh, ah, with Wesley Snipes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, with the people. Yeah, that that exactly. Demolition Man, that is the future. Demolition Man with the, every restaurant's a Taco yeah. Bell. And the radio plays jingles. That's the, that's all the songs the radio plays. And then the, the people live underground. And you know what they eat underground? What? Rats. They'll eat rats. Well, rats are, you know, the French, during the French Revolution, ate rats because they had nothing else to eat. And there's a number of French recipes for rat. That are supposedly pretty good. Have you so ever, you can get that can happen. Have you ever tried? No, God, no. I don't want to eat rat. I have enough. I haven't eaten squirrel either, but I do like rabbits. So, you know, <laughs> what's the difference if you really look at it objectively? I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Uh, I can tell you some people that don't eat rat. Uh, Andrea Ludlam is one of them. She's in Holmes Beach, Florida, 9999. Uh, thanks for the hard work. Uh, she sent some kids through school. Good. Anonymous in Wyzada, Minnesota. Wyzada, Minnesota is a very famous place because it was uh, where uh, a lot of the early CD-ROMs came from. Really? Like CD it Interactive? Was, Remember that? The CD Interactive? Yeah, only the, the, there was a number oh. of companies, and for some unknown reason, they focused, they were all in, or maybe it was just one big company, it was in Wyzada. Hmm. 99 99 99 99 Niner, niner, niner. 
Joe Fawcett, uh, or Fawcett in Springfield, Missouri, 9333. Uh, this is a uh, birthday. Oh, you know what? I'm telling you, this is not on the birthday list. This one's not on the birthday birthday list? I'm pretty sure. Okay. So what am I supposed to do? Put semi-anonymous, whatever that means, a birthday donation uh, for Joel. Happy birthday, Joel. Uh, okay. Uh. Uh, you can write, while you're writing that down, I'll keep talking. Nicole Weirman, 8888, and she's in Tulatin or Tulatin, Tualatin, Tualatin, that's it. <laughs> Tualatin, Oregon. John Cooper in 8008, that's boobs. In China, Michigan, there's a town named China in Michigan. That's rough, man. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> Yeah, Wuhan uh, Street. Where do you live? Uh, Thirty-five Wuhan Street in China, Michigan. China. I'm in China. China. I live in China. I, you can honestly say I live in China. Sir Kevin McLaughlin, Duke of Luna, Amer- lover of American boobs, is back as usual. <laughs> yes, week after you, week, show thank after you. show. Eight oh oh eight from Locust. Daniel Rodriguez in Doral, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> 7175. Oh, you're laughing at his note. I'm laughing at the, the number, 7175 in Haxor. Oh, and it says to Adam's tits. Yep. T-I-T-S, yeah. 7175. Very funny. Uh-huh. I even missed that. Sir Rick in Arlington, Washington, 6996. Uh, Sir Jim Zuckel. Sir Jim in Beverly Hills, California, 6969. Bruce Schwalm in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He's 6933. Samantha Gonzalez in San Antonio, Texas, got a birthday to his, to, to his sweetest husband, 5821. Jason Chapman, McHenry, Illinois, 5678. Franklin Monterosa in Dodge City, Kansas, 5678. Again. Oh, uh, Jason needs, by the way, Jason Chaplin needs a de douching. You've been de douched. Even though he really doesn't need one. Corey Cotton in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, uh, 5510. And you got a birthday and a de-douching. You've been de-douched. James Frederish in Stockholm. Stockholm, Wisconsin. <laughs> what kind of country are we running here? I don't know. Where I live? I live in Stockholm. Okay, good. Where is it? Not far from China. <laughs> China's nearby. <laughs> Jason Petrie in Green River, Wyoming. Uh, and he he sent a note in 5510, by the way. Mm-hmm. He sent a note in t- showing me that Cheney probably did get 75% in Teton County, Wyoming, when I was questioning the, the likelihood. Oh. Because it's all Democrats, Democrats. There, he says. Okay. All right. There's a university there. It's so the same old, same old. Good Scott feedback. of the Good Tall feedback. Corn in da- Davenport, Iowa, 5510. Brian Navarro in Los Angeles, California, 5333, another birthday, a shout out. Uh, Sir Andrew Benz in Imperial Washington, 5005, and the last uh, of this group are all $50 donors, name and location, a fairly short list, starting with Michael Janzik in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, Daniel LaBoy in Bath, Michigan, Julian Robbins in Aptos, California, Joseph Gwaltney in Dendron, Dendron, Virginia, 
Andrew, Sir Andrew Gusick in Greensboro, North Carolina. Amy Bryant in Erie, Pennsylvania. Happy 26th anniversary, Jason. Uh, Christy Jones in Demorest, Demorest, Georgia. Uh, Christy Jones in Cumming, Georgia. There's a weird coincidence. Mm. Uh, Robert Case in Millspring, North Carolina. Michael Statham, Statham in parts unknown. Dame Knight in Edmonds, Washington. And last but not least, Leanne Shipley in Covington, Washington. I want to thank all these people for making this show work. <laughs> yes, for quite a long time now. 15 years coming up in October. And we did have a note from uh, John Jolly, Surprise Night of Enchantment. And he says, Podfather and Buzzkill, August 26th is a great date in the Human Resource Department. Joycey Jolly, our granddaughter whom we've raised and a No Agenda fan, turns the magical age of 18. Serendipitously, my con- contributions since my knighthood on show 999 have totaled another grand, accounting below. And rather than go the baronet route for myself, I would like to bequeath a damehood to her for her 18th birthday. Now that's a granddad right there. I petition that from this day forth she'll be, she shall be known as Dame Flipper in all the realms. <laughs> Okay, you just went from a cool granddad to questionable. Uh, she would like chicken <laughs> Alfredo and watermelon juice at the round table, and the little girl said yay while the goat screamed. Her proud grandparents, John Jolly's surprise of the enchantment, and Masu. And um, I guess we can uh, we can give a little bit of it. She wanted a, was it a goat? Yes, we do need a goat. You've got karma. And if you'd like to become a producer of the No Agenda Show, and of course we thank everybody who came in under $50 as well, often for reasons of anonymity, uh, but you might be on one of the many programs that are incredibly important, their subscriptions. You can make one yourself. There's some magic numbers there you can do per episode, per week, per month, per year, whatever it is. If you get value from the show, send it back to us one way or the other. Learn more here. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Hey, uh, surprising list today, actually. Joseph Rizzi says happy birthday to Patty Ann Rizzi of Two Sons, celebrating tomorrow. Joel Fawcett, Pfeiffer of the Sunday morning two-hour folk hour, will be 42 tomorrow. Corey Cotton, 51 tomorrow. Joel, uh, actually, we had Joel. Brian Navarro, his son Ian, will be 14 on the 23rd. Jessica and John Dale say happy birthday to the daughter Caitlin of the Writing Cave, 18 on the 24th. Baron Harkonnen celebrates on the 27th. Joycey Jolly, 18 on the 26th, you just heard. Sir Andy of Terrigal Beach, happy birthday to his son, Eddie Cantrell. Samantha Gonzalez, her sweet husband, Freddie Vieira. And Larry Mason says happy birthday to his wife, Patricia. Happy birthday from them and everybody here at the best podcast in the universe. And uh, no titles, no titles. We do have that daming to take care of, so if you wouldn't mind bringing out a dame blade. There's your blade. Very nice, I like it. Ah, Joycey Jolly! Come on up here! Joycey Jolly! Thanks to Grandpa, who is clearly loves you very much, you have uh, now become an official dame of the No Agenda Roundtable. I'm very proud to pronounce the KVS Dame Flipper in all the realms. 
Congratulations, and make sure you head over to the round table to get, of course, your requested chicken Alfredo and watermelon juice, along with hookers and blow, rent boys and chardonnay, beer and blunts, uh, cowgirls with coffin varnish, Ruben S. Women and Rosé, geishas and sake, vodka, vanilla, sparkling cider and escort, ginger ale and gerbils, breast milk and pablum, bong hits and bourbon, or mutton and mead. That's something you need to try. It goes mutton goes great with mead, but also with some watermelon juice. So. Check that out, and uh, also remember to go to noagendanation.com slash rings to pick up or actually to uh, allow Eric the Shield to get your information so we can send to you, so we can send to you your official dame ring along with your wax to seal your important correspondence and, of course, your certificate of authenticity. And thank you very much uh, for becoming a dame. Thank you to Grandpa for helping you with that. And welcome, welcome, human resource, to the No Agenda, uh, no agenda Roundtable of our knights and our dames. No agenda. Yes, no agenda meetups, as we heard now often with entertainment, comedy shows, all kinds of stuff happens. I did want to say we got a meetup report from the flight of the no agenda uh, out of, um, I think, California. This might have been the train station meetup. Uh, Too much train noise, unfortunately. Way too many edits for me to make. Just the phone passed around. Sometimes it don't work, but... They did have a good time, and I suggest, if you can, check out more of those Flight of the No Agenda meetups in the future. Uh, Red 33 Boston, they know what they're doing. In the morning! In the morning! In the morning! Sir Ernesto here. Stay dangerous. (laughs) ITM, this is Sir Paul. Uh, Yes, I'm sorry, I don't really know what to say. (laughs) Hey, in the morning, it's uh, Sir Karis, Viscount of Greater Boston. In the morning, this is Sir Nathan Lee, and I just saw a hot girl on a bike go by. Wait, what? Yes. It is summertime, and someone's calling for me. That's cool. Hi. All right. Uh, thank you for your coverage. This show is excellent. We really need it. It's, it's freaking important. Thank you so much. In the morning. In the morning. In the morning, Red 33 Boston, and uh, thank you to the following organizers who are set up for meetups. In fact, today, the Mighty Niagara Region Meetup. Uh, that is well underway. So, oh yeah. So hopefully you uh, you got there. Uh, Taylor and John come to Vegas. That'll be six o'clock Pacific time. Uh, that is also today. And then the next one is on Thursday, the twenty fifth, the Summer Amygdala Shrinkers Meetup in the Denver City Park. Uh, then you just look at August, September. It is jam packed all the way through. One, two, three, four meetups alone on my birthday on September third. It's going to be off the hook. No agenda meetups. This is where you find your community, also known as your community, which you will see is completely different on the external than anything you ever believed would be. Old, young, short, tall, fat, skinny, gay, straight, whatever, queer, all this stuff. Red, blue, right, left. You get the idea. You will love it. You will come together and you control it because noagendameetups.com is completely producer organized. If you can't find one, start one yourself. Sometimes you want to go hang out with all the nights and days. You want to be where you want to be, triggered or held to blame. You want to be where everybody feels the same. It's like a party. Black Apate. Okay. Do you have uh, ISOs? I have one. Oh, okay. Let me see. Where is your ISO? Oh, uh, you. Yeah, I, I have two. 
five two. So not much better. I wonder how we're going to fare today. Let's see what you got. Our early. work is far from over. Huh? The end of the show. Our work is far from over. Isn't that a fact? Um, and it's clear. It's crystal crystal clear. Yeah. yeah. Our work is far from over. Mm, I actually have. I'm gonna. I have three now. Let me see. This is. A, oh, what, what do you mean? You have three now. Stop whining and eat your bugs. Kind of like that. That's cute. That's cute. Yeah. How about? Um, You've just got to think COVID. No. But I think this is the winner. Well, that sucked. That I think is. <laughs> hey, biggest laugh. How can you? Uh, there you go. As far as I'm concerned, we have a winner, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> It's not often that we get to do one that is ourselves, but very good, very good. Um, oh, I, as as we uh, go towards the, how, how are we doing on time today? Actually, as we go toward, no, oh, okay. Um, you know, the big hullabaloo this week was. Oh, the prime minister of Finland was dancing like a slut. Did you follow the story? Oh, I saw it. I, and it's interesting. I couldn't get behind it as an interesting anything. It's just so what? Well, I think it's a and distraction. What else they got to do in Finland? And by the way, isn't this the time of the year where it's pretty much... I've been to Finland. Isn't this the time of year when it is 24 hours a day of sunshine? So you're probably eating your party a lot? No, this is something else. I, can, I think I know what this is. This is a okay. distraction, of course. Now, this is... By the way, as prime minister could go... Rocking, I like her. You know, look, I don't give a shit what she does, but why was this clearly private video released uh, with her? Yeah, I mean, she's simulating sex acts. It's just what you do when you're hanging out and dancing. It's not when you're drunk. When you're, it doesn't matter. But it's it's when you're when you're thirty, maybe you shouldn't be doing that anymore. Maybe I don't know. It doesn't matter to me because all I see it is is a distraction from what she said. One day earlier, which the news definitely did not want you to hear. Well, they didn't start the war, but at the same time, we have to realize that they are supporting uh, the war. I think it's not right that Russian citizens can travel, enter Europe, Schengen area, uh, be tourists, see the sightseeing while Russia is killing people in Ukraine. It's wrong. I think that this had to go away. She said, Russian citizens, you can't come to EU anymore. No, it just shouldn't happen. That got no play. I think that I think they had to distract from that. And who knows what else she said? Huh? That's well. I, I, I'm not going to argue this one. Okay. It makes sense because they don't want to say stuff like that because the Russians, when they come to Europe, they spend a spend lot, a of, lot money. of money. Exactly. And they also uh, there are certain haunts all in Europe that the Russians flock to. So it's not just a rich Russian spending a lot Correct. of money. It's a lot of Russians. So I think they can't put up with this comment like that. Because <laughs> as soon as this Ukraine thing's over with, the Russians will be welcomed back. I have my Russian story. I just think this is hilarious because the Russians have managed to their benefit to oust all the American companies. So they got rid of Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks bailed. And so the Russians just took over the Starbucks stores. They did it legitimately. They took the leases over and did the rest. And play this clip, and then I'll tell you the funny part about it. 
Starbucks may have left Russia back in May, but a new chain of coffee shops in the capital, Moscow, is hoping to replicate its success in more ways than one. Oh. Russian restaurateur Anton Pinsky and rapper Timati debuted new venture, Stars Coffee, on Thursday. Its logo and font might bear a striking familiarity to any <laughs> coffee drinker walking down the street. But Timati insists it's all about perception. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So they took the Starbucks and they took and kept star the same exact, you know, every, they took the actual star and they took the S off of bucks and moved it over, took bucks out. They have the same woman logo, that circle with the goddess of whatever it is in the middle. Didn't change that at all. And coffee underneath is exactly the same. So it's Starbucks without buck. They oh, took the buck out of Starbucks, and it's just the same store. It's a star. And I thought it was genius the way they did it, unlike the McDonald's guys who took over <laughs> McDonald's and changed the logo. Yeah, what a mistake. Well, they learned. They learned. The Russians are trolling in good ways. Now there's a story out. Uh, Russia offers mother heroin medal and $16,000 if you have 10 children or more. I mean, that's just trolling, isn't it? It's like, hey, we're going to... I over- hope so. We're going to overpopulate y'all. <laughs> Uh, did, so while all this, while all that great news was going on about Starbucks, did you hear about uh, this? Tonight, the U.S. announcing a massive $775 million military aid package for Ukraine. It includes more ammunition for the HIMARS rocket systems, 16 new howitzers, and for the first time, the Pentagon sending 15 Scan Eagle reconnaissance drones to better identify key Russian targets. It comes amid growing fears of an impending disaster at Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia that could lead to radiation contamination across the continent. Russia ordering its staff not to show up to work today as both sides warn of an escalation. Ukraine accuses Russia of using the plant as a military base. Ukrainian officials posting this video showing Russian vehicles inside the plant. ABC News has not verified the date this video was taken. After shelling, newly released before and after satellite images from several days ago show scorch marks in the area near the plant. Nearby communities taking no chances, conducting disaster drills in response to those attacks. First responders practiced putting on protective gear and treating the injured. You know, so besides this almost a billion dollars, which who gives a billion dollars? is nothing. We need uh, Sir Atomic Rod Adams to weigh in here. I would like to know, is this particular nuclear plant uh, in its current state? And Sir Rod Adams, I mean, he knows a lot about this. He's on top of this. Would it inf- well, he's, also in the, he's also in the milieu. Yes. So everyone would know. What I'd like to know is, if you bomb this, will that indeed release radiation and contamination? Or is that maybe a little overblown? Uh, well, I think the the whole thing, whether even anyone's going to bomb it, the Russians definitely won't bomb it because the radiation is going to go right into Russia. Yeah, but I don't think it even will happen. I don't even think that a bombing. I don't think it'll happen point, either. Well, I we'll think that this is bad. just a phony baloney. It's like MacGuffin. It's a phony baloney pop. <laughs> MacGuffin. <laughs> MacGuffin. Explain MacGuffin. MacGuffin is is a is a gimmick used in mystery writing. Uh, where, you know, the whole story is about recapturing uh, an item, a jewel, a dossier, oh. a, a, a 
government secret anything there's a whole but the, it, the it's a MacGuffin. that thing that doesn't matter what it is it just uses an excuse to to complete the mystery story oh, and so it's it's okay. a meaningless item is what it in in the big scheme of things it's a meaningless it might Got be a it. valuable diamond but it's a meaningless item and it's always referred to in this trade as a MacGuffin. MacGuffin. i like it it's a very good term, and you'll see it in a lot of stories. If you look at a story where they're going after something because they're trying to capture this or that, you know, a lot of James Bond movies and others, these movies have a, involve a MacGuffin. 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 Well, see, maybe there like, you go. MacGuffin. I'm not sure which one I like better. <laughs> MacGuffin. Good show, show title, MacGuffin. I, I wrote it down, in fact. I wrote it down. Uh, let's I, got one, I got oh. one last clip then, oh, wait, well, just I'll, to keep I'll, us up. I'll let, you, I'll let you play that as last. I have a short 30, 31 seconds, an update on Kyiv, how things are going in Kyiv. And the only reason I really want to play this 30 seconds is because you know who the mayor of Kyiv is now, don't you? It's Klitsch. Yeah, it's been Klitsch for a long time. Yeah, I know, but we just have to remind ourselves that Klitsch is now the mayor. This is one of the guys who Victoria knew. Yeah, a big a six foot eight boxer. Yeah. Who was who kept- is outstanding heavyweight, <laughs> is the mayor of, yeah. you know, well, of course, both the brothers, there's two brothers involved. Yeah, and, well, they're, uh, but they're pretty. They're, much, they're, gangsters. Very sm- they're gangsters. But just listen. Well, they're very smart gangsters if they are. Of course, these people are top of the world. But listen to an update from the mayor of Kiev. The normal life slowly coming back to Kiev. We open right now much more restaurants, cafe. It's uh, the business coming back and slowly starting to work. But uh, it's illusion. Blue sky, sunshine, summer, and uh, we have to never forget this couple of hundred kilometers east of Kiev is hell. It's big battle where our patriots defend our country. So it's not, you look at Kiev and it looks like it's kind of okay, but oh, over there, it's hell. It's hell. And it is hell there. Just read about them having no weapons. Nothing is getting to the front lines. There's a couple links in the show notes. Veterans are coming back. Saying, Dude, there's, there's nothing. Everything gets stolen. Everything is sold. It's, yeah. it's going everywhere. You know, it's, it's horrible. We've got clip after clip. We've been playing these clips for weeks. 30% max goes to the actual fighting. So a lot of, so the, I, I asked, uh, some, uh, asked around, so I said, where are these weapons going that we send over there that never reach the front lines? They're going to the Kurds. They're going to uh, oligarchs. And they're going to Russians. Russians have overrun the biggest ammo uh, uh, depots and missile storages, and they've taken them all. Well, that's <laughs> why they need that guy back there, an arms dealer. He knows how to do this. <laughs> all right. We're going to get him back and get Brian Griner up for that guy. <laughs> Okay, my last clip is a, is just a final closing story to the Jihad John case. Oh, good. Uh, they finally oh, wrapped up this, these guys, a bunch of them, and uh, here's how it ended with the New Tang Dynasty reporting. And now to a gruesome saga of terrorist Uh-oh. torture. A member of an Islamic State cell known as the Beatles could be sentenced <laughs> to life in prison in a U.S. federal court. He was found guilty in a that. plot that led to the beheadings of U.S. journalists and aid workers. 33-year-old Al-Shafi El-Sheikh was found guilty of the charges by a federal jury in April after a six-week trial and hours 
hours of deliberations. The jury concluded that he was part of an Islamic State cell nicknamed the Beatles for their British accents. The cell beheaded American hostages in Iraq and Syria. Al-Sheikh was born in Sudan and raised in London. He was accused of conspiring to kill four American hostages. Two journalists and one aid worker were beheaded on video. The fourth hostage was raped repeatedly by the group's leader at the time and then killed. El-Sheikh's charges carried a potential death sentence, but U.S. prosecutors told British officials they will not seek the death penalty. The Beatles are back. I forgot about them. The Beatles. The, yeah, the, the, hey, I, which reminds me, I was listening to, was listening to a Darren O'Neill's show today, mm-hmm. and I... I he, one thing he does, he reminds me how bad some of these bands are. The Clash, I was actually the worst. I was actually not talking about the Beatles. Uh, the Beatles. No, I know you're talking about the the, the jihadist Beatles, but I was thinking of the Beatles because I was thinking, why doesn't Jer- Darren O'Neill play Yellow Submarine? I think that would fit right into his. That's one of my thing. least favorite Beatles songs. Yellow Be- Submarine. I really Go, don't like. Pull Yellow that out Sub- of the archives just... and put that in there. Okay. Well, thanks for your musical advice. <laughs> we'll take it into account when we're programming the stream. Up next, we've got uh, Behind the Schemes live over there at noagendastream.com, trollroom.io. Enjoy that, slaves. You will boost boost the booberry and lavish. End of show mixes. We have the clip custodian who came in, uh, Neil Jones, with a beautiful monkeypox melody. Medley. And then, uh, as promised... The No Agenda players, Sir Chris taking the lead with Sir Felix and, of course, Dame Jennifer Buchanan. Uh, I think you'll enjoy hanging around for this one. (laughs) Something completely different, but completely on target. Coming to you from the heart of the Texas Hill Country, right here in FEMA Region Number 6. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I remain, I'm John C. Dvorak. We return on Thursday with another... Multi-hour media deconstruction. We hope you will join us for that. And remember us with your value for value at Dvorak.org slash NA. Till then, adios mofos! And such. Uh, first and foremost, let's just start from the beginning. How exactly is monkeypox spread? According to the CDC, 98% of monkeypox cases are in men, 93% among men who reported recent sexual contact with other men. Look, the CDC says the vast majority of cases have involved men having sex with other men, but late Friday night, Illinois officials reported that a daycare worker tested positive. The CDC, the, the warning over the weekend about children under yeah. the age of eight. Now to the monkeypox outbreak spreading right. in the U.S. A seventh child has now been infected. First suspected case of human to dog monkeypox transmission. It happened in France. Uh, first and foremost, let's just start from the beginning. How exactly is monkeypox spread? Spread. Well, as much as many people don't want to accept this, it is primarily a sexually transmitted infection. When we first get it, we started to get those reports and then it wasn't just cats, it wasn't just dogs. We saw it with other animals as well. We have an outbreak that has spread around the world rapidly. Growing concern over the global spread of monkeypox. Spreading, spreading, spreading. The nation's monkeypox outbreak is spreading.
Dame Jennifer Buchanan, and I am president and director of research here at the Animated Institute for No Agenda Sciences. This is an interdisciplinary program where we work with agenda expanses and agenda expression for human resources as young as three and their families who are questioning their agenda or who are not left-right binary. My name is Sir Felix Wilson, and this is my No Agenda journey. A person's agenda is important to their identity. I'm Sir Chris Wilson, Felix's father. While many human resources are happy in the agenda they are assigned at birth, there are some who are born with an agenda that doesn't match the agenda assigned to them. We call this agenda dysphoria. From when I first held Felix in my arms, I knew he was a special human resource. But when the doctor told me what his agenda was, it somehow didn't feel right to me. One of my first memories as a young child was that I didn't feel comfortable with the agenda I was assigned at birth. Somehow, I felt different from my friends. It was when he started school, we started to notice the difference between him and the other children. What was different about you and the other children? They would play news clips of Donald Trump on the television, and everyone would go, boo. What did you do? I'd say, yay, you know, like little girl, yay. What did the other kids do? They'd all laugh. It was at that moment we realised our son identified with no agenda and enrolled him in the institution's Young Producers Program. We started him off trying his no agenda identity in small ways to see how comfortable he was. Say, in the morning. In the morning. And thank you for your courage. Thank you for your banana. How did you feel when we did that? felt pretty good. I was asked to do a speech for class on a famous person. I chose to do mine on Adam Curry. I thought it would be the best time to come out and tell people about my no agenda. Were you worried about what might happen? That's a great question. That's, That's not, not a, a great, great question. question. I thought that when the school found out that they would take me away and give me new parents to live with. Do you remember what the class did when you came out and gave your presentation? They all laughed and then got up and danced. When I played the Christmas jingle, Donald Trump is coming to town. It was then that we knew we had to act before he became an adolescent. We started him immediately on amygdala blockers. We got Felix a pet goat called Maxine Waters. And we fed it mac and cheese by Anne Rand. We removed bugs from his diet. As soon as he was ready, we performed media deconstructive surgery and spent time each week with no agenda affirming activities, identifying propaganda, and recording jingles before puberty set in and his cute and innocent voice would change forever. We knew time was running out for Felix. Soon adolescence would take over. I somehow knew we would no longer be able to exploit his young innocent child voice for cheap laughs. So Felix was set on a heavy course of begging for donations. It's for our children's amygdalas. It paid off. I remember how I woke up that morning. My phone was filled with notes of congratulations. I didn't know what happened, but I had a sneaking suspicion of what it might be. Through the generous support of the No Agenda community, an anonymous producer had sponsored Sir Felix to become a member of the No Agenda Roundtable. I remember that morning my dad came in and woke me up all excited. For the Wilson family, it was a dream come true. It was wild beyond anything. I had to pinch myself to make sure I wasn't dreaming. That day was the day I could look everyone in the eye and say, my child isn't a slave anymore. Yes, I went to bed as Felix. And when I woke up, 
I was Sir Felix the early night, a night of the No Agenda Roundtable. And Daddy? Yes, Felix? You know what you were on that day? What? A douchebag. Douchebag! Agenda Reassignment is an original production by the Gitmo Players Guild, starring Dame Jennifer Buchanan, Sir Felix Wilson and Sir Chris Wilson. Written, mixed and produced by Sir Chris Wilson for the No Agenda podcast. Go to dvorak.org slash na to support the best podcasts in the universe. Dvorak.org slash na. Dvorak.org slash N-A Well, that sucked.